Blog Talk Radio. about it and this is a exciting week in football um, basketball is starting to get rolling again uh, but let's talk a little bit about the West Foundation um, you know I always love to just make sure those that have never heard uh, the West Foundation and who they are just make sure you understand that our purpose is we want kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete we want them to chase their dreams they can learn so many things from chasing their dreams, um, such as work ethic, uh, leadership, um, and the list goes on and on. So we want them to chase their dreams. But we also understand that one day that sport's going to end. For some kids, it's going to be when they finish high school. For some kids, it's when they finish college. For others, they're going to get a short cup of coffee in the league, whether it's basketball, baseball, football. Um, I mean, some others are going to have a 10, 12, 15-year career, but it's still going to end at some point. So what we want to do is help equip these kids with some tools for success. And I say kids, um, and I'm talking about the high schoolers, I'm talking about the college kids when they finish up, I'm talking about the ones that have opportunity to play to play in the league. We want them all to help equip them with some tools for success. So what we do, um, our base thing is we have a free football. Uh, we added cheerleading, and we do some other sports clinics as well. But our big event is we have a free football cheerleading camp. This year it's going to be June 26th um, down in Conway, South Carolina, which is my hometown. Now, what makes us different is guys that play for me, and a few guys that played with me are the coaches. So now they get opportunity to get coached by guys that played college ball. Some of them had opportunity playing professionally. Some of them still are playing professionally. 
but they get an opportunity to be coached by them. So we've given them a vision of success. The next thing that we do is we started our Success Beyond Sports series, which is our life skill series. The biggest one that I'm on is financial literacy, because I believe financial literacy is so important. Regardless if uh, you're right out of high school, if you're right out of college, if you had an opportunity to play and make a bunch of money, financial literacy is important. If you're a parent, it's important. If you're not a parent, it's important. regardless of what walks of life you're in, financial literacy is so important. So that's something that we're constantly hitting on. Uh, so we'll bring people on our show to talk about that. We will talk about mental wellness, which I think is also extremely important. Um, we're going to talk about etiquette. We're going to talk about dealing with police officers. We're going to talk about leadership. We're going to talk about character, just different life skills that can help these young people be successful. And that's our goal. We want them to be successful. So if we can help one, we feel like we've made a difference. And, and we pray that we're able to help more than one. But that's our goal. We want to make sure that, uh, that we can be a positive uh, in, the, in society. I always go with the thought of the day. The thought of the day this week is good, better, best. Now, I went to camp, me and it was a couple guys that I played with, Skizo Sherman in high school ball, Daryl Stanley. We went to East Carolina camp. And Don Powers, who I ended up working for at the Citadel, he was a defensive coordinator, and I remember like it was yesterday. He said, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is your better and your better is your best. Just think about that for a second. Don't be satisfied with good. Always work to get better. And then as you get better, continue to work to get better until it becomes your best. And when you give your best day in and day out, you're going to be pretty good before it's all said and done. So the first thing you got to do is figure out what pushes you. We often talk about what's your why, what pushes you. You know, there's times when you're running that gasser or you're pushing, you're lifting those weights or you, you're pushing a sled or whatever it is, and you want to quit. There's times you want to quit. So what pushes you? What makes you keep going? Unfortunately, some people don't keep going, and they do quit. But the thing is this. Only the man or the woman in the mirror knows if you're truly giving your best. So my challenge is we got to give our best. In everything that we do, we got to give our best. My kids and, and my players have often heard me say, I don't care if you are the best. All I want you to do is do your best. And if you do your best, I'm good. And with my kids, and, you know, a lot of times I can tell if they're doing their best. Do I know they're doing their absolute best? I know when they're really slacking, but only they know if they're giving their absolute best. And the thing that you must also do is don't lie to yourself. There's times when we're saying, yeah, I'm giving all I got, and you know you got some more left. Because um, here's one thing, your body's not going to allow you to give more than it can. So keep pushing yourself. Because one of the things that, uh, that I've found is true, um, if you think you can't, you're usually right. But the same is true and vice versa, where if you think that you can do it, once again, you're usually right. You have a great chance of making it happen. Not saying it's going to be an absolute deal, um, but 
if you think you can, that's where it starts. So you got to go on and make sure that you got your mind right with a positive aspect, and let's go make it happen. Now, no one is ready for a thing until he believes he can acquire it. The state of mind must be belief, not mere hope or a wish. So I got to believe it in my mind. And once I believe it in my mind, now I have an opportunity to go out there and make it happen. Now, this is something from uh, Robert Craig and, and Lewis Patler uh, in their book, If It Ain't Broke, Break It. The potential that exists with, within us is limitless and largely untapped. When you think of limits, you create them. Think about that. Our potential is limitless. The things that we're able to do are limitless. We're the ones that put a limit on it. Nobody was able to run a four-minute mile until somebody did it. And then once somebody did it, a bunch of people did it because that limit was broken. So what are you limiting yourself? What is it that you're limiting yourself from doing? Whatever it is, break it. Get that out of your mindset because the potential is limitless. So go out there and find a way to get it done. Whatever that dream is you have, chase it, find a way, go make it happen. Today, I got an opportunity to bring on my co-host, um, who's a young man that had opportunity to play for me when I was at Ohio, Mr. Keith Warren. Keith, how's everything going? Everything's going well, Coach. How you doing? I'm doing great, man, doing great. Now, what are you doing these days? Uh, you know, we talked a little bit, but just what are you doing these days? Yeah, the the schedule is pretty jam packed these days. You know, um, uh, currently sit as a senior vice president for a small bank here in Columbus, Ohio, by West Banco. Also, I'm a uh, partner in a restaurant group that owns a pretty uh, upstanding restaurant, upscale restaurant here in Dublin, Ohio. Just got into the trucking business, so still trying to coach my boys as they're playing uh, flag football. My son's going into his first year of tackle football next year, so we're trying to get ready for that, but. You know, so things are pretty crazy these days, and all the while trying to stay away from the COVID. So uh, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. It is. Now, how did you get into the banking business? You know, it it, it actually happened randomly. Um, you know, I went out to uh, Philadelphia, and I don't know if we've talked about this, but I actually was playing some arena ball out there for the soul for a little bit after I graduated from OU came home um, and went out on a date with who is now my wife, and we met up. We were having a game night at uh, an individual's house, and there was a lady there who was a, a vice president for Bank of America at the time. And during the game night, she said, you know what, you look, you would probably be really good at um, in sales for this bank that I work for. And I never thought about going into banking or anything, but, um, you know, so I went in maybe a week and a half later for an interview that was supposed to be an hour and meeting with just a hiring manager, I ended up sitting down with the CEO of the company at the time and uh, got hired on the spot. So been in banking ever since, and it's kind of taken me all over. I was in Chicago for a little bit. We lived in New England, just outside of Boston for three years. So it's been a, it's been a pretty crazy ride. Yeah, well, good, man, good. You know, I, I worked in banking for a little while. Um, that was actually my summer job. I was a teller. Um, okay. My summer in college, and, and here's a funny story. My very first day, 
Um, first of all, my first day I was a thousand dollars short, and the vault was a thousand dollars over. So I just rolled a thousand dollars with the cool to do the paperwork for it. But the part that one of the security guys would never let me live down is that day I closed the vault. You know, the vault door is pretty heavy, right? Um, Absolutely. Well, is, no, hey, I'm in college, I'm playing ball. I pushed it a little bit too hard, and I broke the door. I bent the inside of the the rod and the inside <laughs> of the door. So uh, he had to stay there pretty much to about 3 or 4 in the morning because they had to call Debo and they had to come and replace it. So for years, every time you saw me, he was like, hey, don't be closing that, that vault door anymore. So, uh, but, but yes, banking is definitely a, is, is something that we've got to have. And right now with the PPP stuff, I imagine that uh, things are picking up for you all. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, the first round of PPP was, it was really, really involved for, it was an all hands on deck from a banking perspective because there was so much paperwork that had to be done. But luckily the SBA was able to, um, put some things in order. Now it's pretty streamlined from an online process. You know, the, the, the business owner is able to log into their account online, enter the information that they need to enter, upload documents, press a button, and it goes off. So it's going to be a lot less hectic and hopefully, you know, get those funds in the hands of the small business owners that really need it in order to help ensure that their business are able to be able to make it through this time and hopefully be able to grow and succeed uh, in the future. Now, um, before we get into sports, we're just sort of talking about banking a little bit. What's the criteria for a small business to be able to get a PPP loan? Yeah, so um, for this for this term around for this PPP um, process, if you've had a decline in revenue either in your second quarter or third quarter of business of 20 to 25%, you will qualify to be able to you are qualified able to re, be able to receive a PPP loan. That PPP loan is derived off of what your annual what your monthly payroll is and then if you're a small business owner it goes up to two and a half times what your payroll is and for those that are in restaurants and retail um, it's three and a half times. Obviously as we know restaurants are really struggling right now. So this is something that they put in place to be able to help ensure that restaurants are able to fight through this rough time of not being able to have as many customers in their restaurants and be able to make it into the spring, hopefully, once weather changes and they can do some more out, outside dining and things of that nature. Right, right. Yeah, hopefully, which I imagine down here in the south, we'll be able to get to that a little bit quicker than you are, Will, up in Ohio. <laughs> yeah, there's snow on the ground right now. I don't think there's too many people trying to eat outside. Uh, I think it's 20, 25, 26 degrees. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think people are trying to – are in too much of a hurry to get out and uh, eat outside right now. Well, hey, well, this morning when I got up to go work out, um, about 5.36, it was about 30, 31 degrees. Um, oh, wow. But the side is by this afternoon it was 64. <laughs> yeah, by this afternoon, I think it was a high of 32 or something like that. So, a little different. Yeah, yeah, definitely a little different. Definitely a little different. So, <laughs> now, now I want to tell a quick story on you. I hope you don't mind. Okay. 
Uh, I don't. I don't. There's one, and it's more of making sure you understand who you are as a player. You know, I remember that you went to uh, one of those senior bowl games and you had a great game. I um, did, yeah. I, I, yards. And, and the difference was you sort of found, you realized who you were. You were a downhill runner. And, and mm-hmm. that's what you did in that game. Great job. Um, where there was other times you wanted to try to bounce it all the time. You remember that? Yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah. We, we've had that conversation before. Um, but the <laughs> thing is, if you understand your strengths, then you can go out there and do well. Um, and I think there's there's times when we got to go on and concentrate on our strengths Um we still don't want to shy away from our weaknesses, but we got to concentrate on our strengths. And when we do that, we have a better chance for success. Um, Absolutely. And that's just, you know, just something I thought about. And it was just, hey. But this weekend, we're going to get into some, some sports a little bit. Um, this weekend, uh, how many games did you watch? Uh, I was I was camped out in front of the TV, so I, I just got up to go to the restroom and to get another snack. So, um, right. so you know, start, I, I was I was locked in. We're gonna start with the hometown boys. The hometown boys they had a great season, a great year. They they beat up on my Steelers last week, even though my Steelers just <laughs> had a. I mean, we got four turnovers in the first quarter, and it, that's it's hard to win when you do that. Um, but the Browns mm-hmm. took advantage of it, um, and uh, they had a great season, and they just came up a little bit short uh, against the Chiefs. Um, what did you think of their season in, in that particular game? Well, you know, um, obviously being here in Columbus and being in Ohio, you know, you see the Browns all the time, and a lot of people are, are diehard Browns fans. So it was it was great seeing the Browns be able to have the success that they were able to have uh, this year. I think they've been on the cusp of, you know, taking that next step for, for a few years now. And finally it was able to come together. I think uh, Stefanski coming in did a great job at putting some key position coaches in the right position. Uh, one of my other former coaches, Stump Mitchell, who's the running back coach um, for Cleveland, yep. the Cleveland Browns and um, a Citadel grad as yourself, you know, I, they've been calling him the running back whisperer because he's got those two monsters going crazy up there in Chubb and Hunt. And I think it was it was great being able to see those guys come along and, and really play. I know there's a lot of speculation about what they're going to do in the offseason and what they're going to do with OBJ and how he fits into that system and can they move him to maybe bring in some other intricate uh, players that could play some key roles for him. But you know, seeing the Browns that close, uh, you know, literally five points away from being in a AFC championship game, um, it's pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, I've got some family members that are diehard Browns fans. So being able to take that journey with them and, and seeing all this come to fruition was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I actually – I don't know if you knew this, but I did an internship with the Browns last summer. Um, I say huh. last summer, the summer before so it's in 2019. Um, so got a chance to go up there and work with Stump, work with Chubb, work with Hunt. Um, so that was good. And I knew they had some pieces of the puzzle. And one of the things that I, I saw is OBJ is definitely different now. It's, 
If it comes in his vicinity, he's going to catch the ball. So they got a lot of the mm-hmm. pieces that they need. Um, and if they can continue just to fill a spot here or there, keep all the, that team together, the majority of that team together, they're going to be good again next year. Um, which oh, yeah. I'm definitely oh, yeah. looking for. Um, and then, of course, the Chiefs, Mahomes, I mean, the Chiefs are a pretty good team. They're, they're a really good team. And uh, I'm anxious to see what they do. Now, we had the Bills and the Ravens. So the Bills was able to pull that one out. Um, yeah. Now, you know, there was, there was, Citadel, there was um, three of the four games had Citadel ties. You had Stumpton Mitchell with the Cleveland Browns. You right. Andre Roberts, who's a receiver for the, for the uh, Buffalo Bills. And then you got Maurice Drayton, who's the uh, assistant special teams coordinator uh, at the Green Bay Packers. So, oh, wow. So, of course, I'm pulling for the Bills and Andre Roberts. And, uh, and they did a great job. They, they were able to pull that one out. Um, unfortunately, um, you, had, you got your quarter, you got Jackson got his bell rung a little bit, and, and he had to come out. Yeah. Uh, but I think the Bills are going to give the Chiefs, you know, all they want to handle. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the Buffalo Bills, you talk about another team that has had an amazing journey from where they where they were to where they are now. Being in the AFC Championship game is, is really kind of crazy because, I mean, the Buff, Buffalo hasn't been um, this good in a long time, dating back to the Jim Kelly and – Thurman Thomas days and things of like that, but you know, watching that game against them against the uh, against the Ravens, you you always kind of felt like you just felt that kind of that energy in the air that eventually Buffalo was going to make a play and they were going to win that game. That's just kind of how their season's going. It's kind of got that Cinderella feel to it. Um, I do think that. It could potentially be coming to an end. I think the the Chiefs just have such a strong chemistry within within them as a team that you know it's going to be tough. And especially if Mahomes is healthy, I mean, he's just he's never out of a game. Um, so it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing the game um, because I believe that Buffalo defense is kind of is built to cause the Chiefs some problems. So we'll see what. Uh, Big Red, as they call him, Andy Reid comes up with to keep those guys on um, on their toes and and see if uh, Allen can make enough plays to to pull that out. The thing with, here's the thing about the Chiefs: they got so many weapons over there, they can score yeah. almost at will. And that is yeah. that is a dangerous. They got some weapons on that offense. Um, now, speaking of weapons, now the Green Bay Packers, you know, like I said, I had opportunity to do an internship with them. They got a lot of weapons over there. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is playing really well right now. And the big thing yeah. is they had a really good Mr. Rams. So I, I think they sort of shut the door on that one early and, and just kept pouring it on. Um, but he's got uh, the Buccaneers in his, in his uh, hindsight or in his cross crosshairs. Because that was the worst game that they played this year when they played Buccaneers early, Tampa Bay earlier. Um, they hadn't turned the ball over. I think it was like game five or six. And the first turnovers was in that game. And uh, so I know they're going to be ready to, to roll. And Tom Brady, you know, he's in another championship game. 
So the question was, is it Tom Brady? Is it Belichick? Is it Belichick <laughs> and Brady? Um, so I guess now the the uh, armchair quarterback will say, well, I guess it was Brady, not as much Belichick. I don't know. I think together they're they're really really strong. Um, yeah. And they brought pieces in to help to help Tom uh, do some things. Uh, but but this past week, if the Saints don't turn the ball over, it's a different game. But, Absolutely. Uh, they just almost. Absolutely. I guess it was three turnovers in the second half. Yeah. Um, yep. That led to three touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. The um so that so you keep turning the ball over. It's tough to win when you turn the ball over. I mean, the stat shows. You know, if, if you lose the turnover battle, there's a great chance that you're going to lose the game. And when you turn yeah, it over you multiple tr- times, doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, you can't turn the ball over in the in the playoffs. That's it. I mean, you can't turn the ball over. Period. I mean, that's you know the guys are just too good. Um, you know, and and the whole argument about if it if it's if it's Brady or if it's Belichick, you know, I think the verdict's still out. I think Tom is good enough to be able to capitalize on the mistakes that the Saints made. But it was really in games like this where you're going up against an offensive juggernaut like Aaron Rodgers and what how he's got those guys going that Belichick would show the type of coach that he is because you know we all think back to the greatest show on turf right we're thinking man they're gonna run up the score on the Patriots and they score ten points um, so I think this is where you're gonna see maybe the difference um, in where Belichick was. You know, Tom is going to do what Tom Brady does. He's going to make the right decisions. He's not going to lose them the game. But Belichick is what was in in an in NFC Championship game and Super Bowls and things of that nature. When it's time to hone in and really slow down a team in order to put Tom in positions to win those games, that's where that right. that relationship I think will be lacking. So it'll be interesting, you know. These boys coming down up here from Florida to Green Bay, you know, playing in Green Bay is different. And I look back at the schedule for Tampa Bay, you know, they've either played indoors or in Tampa, I think it's six out of their last seven games. So yeah. they haven't hit no cold weather in a while. So I know Mike Evans and, and all those boys catching balls down there is a little different than that, than that cold up in, in, in Lambeau. So, I hope Tom has them mentally prepared for what it is that they have to take on because, you know, the physical it is what it is. It's always been what it is. They're, those guys are football players. But the mental aspect of being able to handle that up in Lambeau is where I think the difference could, could come to play. Today, it's cold. And then one time you get hit one good time, you're like, ooh, that's <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are getting ready to uh, take a break. And then we'll be back with our first guest in a few minutes. Hold on.
the pretty girls around me and they're waking up the rock. Keep up. Why you mad? Fix your face. Ain't my fault they all be jacking. Keep up. Players only. Come on. Put your everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We have our first guest on, who's a good friend of mine, Mr. Greg Gregory. Greg, how's everything going? It's going good, Everett. Happy to be on. Hey, man, we're happy to have you. Happy to have you. You know, uh, Yvette and I were sort of talking the other day, because um, I told her that you was going to be on the show, and she reminisced about us. As we had to move out of Brumley Hall, we moved to your basement for a while until we were able to move into our house. So once again, we thank you <laughs> for moving in with you for a little while. Yes. Over the days, Trey was two or three months at that time. Now he's 20 years old. It's been a while. It's been I know. A while. It's, it's incredible, wow. isn't it? Wow. It, it? They grow so fast, it's unbelievable. Exactly. Exactly. And now you've had a great career, and now you're coaching over in in Japan, but tell us a little bit about uh, some of the stops that you've had. Well, you know, I started out as a graduate assistant at UVA, and then then I went to West Point uh, and was there for 16 years, which really doesn't happen much. You know, I was a college football coach, but I was fortunate. I was there for 16 years. 
Then I became a head coach at a D2 school in Missouri for a couple of years. Went back to my alma mater, Richmond, Ohio University, where you and I coached together. Uh, South Florida, South Alabama, Morgan State, Norfolk State, Texas Southern, uh, and the University of Illinois. So I've been quite a few places, and uh, I've enjoyed them all. I really have. All of them, I've had good experiences. Uh, I've had bad experiences along the way, you know, from from a record standpoint at various times. But I've had a lot of good ones too. So uh, I, I really have enjoyed all the places I've I've ever coached. Good. Good. Now you're coaching over in Japan. How is right. that different than coaching in the states? Well, you know, I, I never I didn't know a lot about it, and uh, a friend of mine ended up over there, and uh, you know, one thing led to another, and I, I got over there. The level of play, uh, it's a corporate pro league. They have like 30 teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been playing. They, this, uh-huh. this league's been around for like 35 years. Uh, they're, it's divided up in three divisions. We're in the upper division. There are eight teams. The level of play, now you got to remember, these are men. These are guys that are, have graduated from college over there. You have four Americans on each team and everything. everybody else is Japanese. Uh, level of play, I would say, would be uh, lower level D1, you know, Mac caliber, and upper level 1AA. I mean, we have but, – but, again, these are men. I mean, they're 23 to 35 years old, and we we have some very, very good football players. Their work ethic is incredible. Um, you know, that, that the, I, that's what surprised me is the level of play is really good. I mean, we, we have a – like on our team, and we had won four championships – up until this year, we got beat this year in the championship game, and we could have been the first team to win five. We got beat thirteen to seven, but it was, uh, you know, the, the the I'm just surprised. I was very surprised at how good the players were. Um, you know, size wise, we're fine. Our our offensive line is going to be anywhere from six one to six five, uh, two seventy to three ten. You know, and they all can run. They all can run, and and uh, it's just I've really enjoyed coaching over there. It, 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 as far as their work ethic, it really reminds me of when I was at the academy. I mean, you tell them to run through a wall, they run through the wall, and then they ask you why. You know, that's their attitude. <laughs> <laughs> you know? They 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 really do, and they want to be coached. They want they really want to to excel at the game. So it's it's been a great experience, you know, and I'm hoping to stay there a few more years. I've been there three now, uh, going into four uh, this spring. So it's uh, uh, it's been a great experience for me. A uh, little less stress, but then you get in the college game, uh, don't have to recruit and all that kind of stuff. We have our own player personnel department and that type of thing. All I do is help out some a little bit when we need an American player and. Uh, uh, try to hunt one down. You know, we have two on offense, two on defense, and go from there. Right, right. Hmm. Now, you said that it's a corporate pro league. Um, yeah, it's a corporate. That... You know, like our team is Fujitsu. Fujitsu is our – now, we're – us, you have Fujitsu, you have Obik, you have Panasonic, Mitsubishi, Mitsubishi, IBM, Tokyo Gas. Uh, they're just some of the teams I'm just throwing out. Now, all of our Japanese players actually work 
for Fujitsu. And Panasonic, <laughs> who's, who's also in the league, they all their players also work. Now the other teams don't. The other other the for instance Obic, which has beat us in the championship, who's our arch rival along with Panasonic, they uh, their players have independent jobs wherever they want to work, but they go play for Obic. And Obic probably throws them a little money on the side, you know, to their Japanese players. Our guys get paid. For instance, if we were recruiting, if you if you ever were in college at over in Japan, you were a Japanese college player, you know, we have eight to ten slots a year that, that the corporation gives us to hire people. And and then we, we go out we we tell them, we tell the HR department, hey, we really like Everett Sands. And then between our football department and HR, we come out, meet with you, say, hey, Everett, we can bring you in. We'll start you in sales, blah, blah, blah. We'll start you in engineering, whatever you might, you made a major then, but you're going to play football right. for us. Now, what's, what's unique is this. We play every other Sunday. We practice Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday play. Every other day, these guys are working. So they do not, during the season, they don't have a day off. Now, mm. They work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, practice Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. So, so they don't work on the days. Excuse me. They work on the days they practice. No, no, the days we practice, they don't. So Wednesday they're off, but they're practicing. What I mean, they don't have any off days. Is that if if they're if they're not practicing Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday, they're at work Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. So it's it's a great commitment on their their part to play football. Right, right. right. Now the now the American players, they're different. They're just like us as American coaches. They're under contract. You know, they're basically our our, our American players. Basically, are six figure guys. They're gonna with the with the base salary plus the plus the incentives, the bonuses. Uh, they're going to be six-figure guys, and and that doesn't include their, you know, all flights back and forth are taken care of. Uh, they're given two-bedroom apartments, which are pretty nice, you know. So it, it it's a good deal, you know. It's it's, uh, it's it's outside outside of the NFL. I think it's actually probably a better deal for an American to play in Japan than it is in Canada. Wow. You know, from what I've heard, I mean, you you can you right. can make really solid money, and if you fit in, if you come over there and you fit in, and and because uh, all the all the Japanese players are looking for is is you to have great work ethic, be a great leader, and you're expected to be the best player at your position. And and right. now, if you come over with a prima donna attitude, you we'll we'll cut you. You'll be gone in a year. No questions asked, you know, because that's not what we want. The, the, the Japanese players work so hard that, that the American players expected to go above and beyond that. Now, how do, how do American players get involved with that? Well, through their agents. And, for instance, when I first went over there, the reason how I got there, my buddy called me. Their quarterback had retired they were looking for a quarterback and they asked me if I could help. And so we were talking and, and I said, yeah, I, I can, I can reach out around the country and try to find somebody. And, uh, 
Then he said, by the way, we have two two coaching positions open, but they're on defense. You know anybody be interested? I said, yes, me. He said, you'd be willing to go to defense? I said, yeah, yeah. So when I first went over my first year, I was a special teams coordinator and worked with the defensive backs uh, in, in individual drills, but I also worked extensively with a defensive coordinator who's Japanese in game planning. I would I would look at an opponent with from an offensive perspective. Yeah. He would he would put together his plan, come to me and run stuff by me. You know, he may say, Hey, I'm looking at these three blitzes. What do you think? I may say, Well you don't need that one. They got that one blocked. This is the one that gives them the trouble. They'll have they'll have a real problem knowing where to slide their line and so forth. And so it was really a good way to work. And uh, yeah. And then after that, and then after the first year, um, they moved me over to quarterback. They really didn't have a quarterback coach, and the quarterback position played okay the first year, but it was kind of out of whack. And and we really elevated my second year when I when when I was over there. The quarterback position, we ended up both my American and my Japanese were ranked the number one and number two quarterbacks in the league. And everybody has an American quarterback, basically. So, you know, it, that's how you get involved. And, and, you know, you got your agents got to get you involved. And it's, and, and the teams have to be looking for an American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Coach Gregory, you know, uh, I was going to say, yeah, Coach Gregory, you know, um, I... go ahead, Keith. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, you know, um, from the perspective of making that change over the defense for the year that you were over there, um, I, I made a similar when I was, when I actually finished up playing ball and I was coaching at the high school level here in, in Columbus, and, um, you know, we were making the run. Through, through the playoffs and things of that nature, I actually had moved from being on the offensive side of the ball my whole life to now being on the defensive side of the ball and coaching defensive backs and helping being the pass game, defensive pass game coordinator or what have you. And, and, and I learned that, you know, all the experience that you had on the offensive side of the ball really comes into play when you're scheming against the offense at that point. Do you think that, you know, had – quarterback the quarterback opportunity not come open do you think you could have kind of gotten comfortable with with scheming against oh, the offense? Yeah. I, I know it, i know i know you had coached so you've coached everything from the triple option to spread to you know five wide throwing the thing all over the yard to maybe throwing one pass a game and running triple options so i'm sure you i mean having <laughs> yeah, that no it, of, it, it was very, I, I was fortunate my mentor was jim young jim jim young at west point believed a, a coach was a coach it didn't matter about the position. He wasn't afraid to move anybody around. In my first three years there with him uh, on offense, I coached wide receivers. Then I moved offensive line, and, and two of us worked offensive line. Then I moved running backs. Then I moved to quarterbacks. So he was more – he moved guys from offense to defense. He was more about – a coach is a coach. He, he figured he could teach you what he wanted at that position or somebody could teach you. He liked football coaches, and I, I think mm-hmm. more people should do that now. Uh, I'll tell you the thing that I cannot stand as a football coach. I hate to hear a coach say, my quarterback, my offensive line, my wide receiver, my linebackers. No, they're not. They're our. 
They're our quarterback. Yeah. They're our, our offensive line. They're our defensive backs. You you know, as a coach, you take personal responsibility for your position. But they're not yours. They're ours. And and yeah. it's just like it's not. I hate to hear coaches say my team. No, it's in college. It's not your team. It's Duke University's team. It's the University of South Carolina's team. It's not your team. You are just privileged enough to be able to coach them. That's just my opinion on it. Now, I'm very adamant about that. I think coaches have egos that are way, way out of whack. You know, way out of whack. All coaches think they're more. They think they're more important than what they are. Hey, you know, they really don't. <laughs> That's just my opinion. Hey, one of the things we learned, I learned at the Citadel was, hey, I guarantee you if something happens to you, they would close ranks and drive on. So don't think. Hey, exactly. There's important. always somebody can replace you. It's always somebody. I, mm-hmm. I take the attitude. There's always somebody can replace me. I know that. No doubt there's about it. There's always somebody can replace me. <laughs> you know, you just, you just want to do a good enough job that they don't want to go find that person. Exactly. That's true. That is true. That is true. Now, you've had a lot of good years, several 10-win seasons. Yep. Um, in your mind, which one stands out the most and why? Well, you know, a lot of people think it was the 10 wins, the first 10-win season at West Point in 96. And that, was, that really was a very significant year. But, but going into that year, we knew we had a really good football team. And sometimes you just know. And the fact that we knew we were good and that we looked at the schedule, there was no reason for us, if we played well, we should be up there in that 10-win range. But the most satisfying 10-win season for me, actually, was at the University of Richmond. I coached there one year. And, and it's, it, this is called, it's, a, <laughs> it's a weird reason why it's so success. So it means so much to me. First of all, I'm a graduate of Richmond. Uh, I went there. We were terrible. My four years there, we were awful. And I won more games in one year as the offensive coordinator than I won in four years as a quarterback there. Think about that. You know, now we were way overscheduled when I played there. We were a major independent. We were playing Georgia, Maryland, Wisconsin, those people. We weren't going to win. We weren't good enough at quarterback. I was one of them. We didn't have one good enough to win at that level. But I went back as a coordinator in 2000. We were in Atlantic 10 at the time, uh, which is now the CAA, same same teams. It was probably the best 1AA conference in the country. Um, We were picked to finish in the bottom three in the conference out of 12. And – I got there with four days left in spring practice. That's when Coach Reed hired me, four days. I came out, I watched a practice, just observed a practice. They were trying to go to a triple option out of three backs. They had no clue what they were doing. After that practice, we had a day off the next day. I got the whole offensive staff together. We changed all the terminology, just started from scratch. We had a... Light practice the next day, didn't do anything. Then we had a spring game. We just lined up an hour formation and ran a bunch of plays off cards, and then we went full bore with it. And we got into the season, 
And Coach Reed now is a defensive guy. Coach Reed would not, and you, you guys will know this, having knowing a little bit about wishbone football. He would not let us cut block in preseason practice. So we play our opening game. We play Bucknell, and we're fortunate enough. Quarterback makes a great play, and we win, I think, 10 to 3. Play terrible and win. Then we play UVA the next week. Now they're way better than us, and at halftime, they were ahead 24 to nothing. Uh, and this is the God's honest truth. I come down out of the box. I see Coach Reed outside of our locker room as we're going into halftime. And I told him, I said, Coach, we're going to run three plays in the second half. We're going to run true triple. We're going to run midline. And we're going to run counter iso. We're going to learn how to block. We're going to use it as a practice. And we're going to see what happens. Well, we rushed for almost 200 yards in the second half, scored once, got inside the 10 two other times, and didn't score. Got beat 27-7, proceeded to win, I think, eight or nine in a row after that. And won the Atlantic 10, and then then got beat, uh, then beat Youngstown in the first round, got beat by Montana in the second round of the playoffs. So that, to me, that year means as much to me as any year I've ever coached. And now, on a side note, the best coaching job I believe I have ever done was the one year I was at Morgan State. I went to Morgan State as the offensive coordinator. Now, you guys know I'm Caucasian, right? <laughs> I'm Caucasian. I go to Morgan, Morgan State. I think we had one Caucasian on the, on the football team, our punter. And they had not they had had not won more than three games in the conference in like ten years, and we go there and we start the season zero and five. Now, now three of those games we weren't going to win. They were the teams were just better. You know, we were playing them to make a little money. But in the fifth ball game, we played Norfolk State, and we got beat, and we outplayed them. We were a better team. We had a freshman running back fumble the ball a couple times early in the game uh, when we were inside the, the in red zone, and, and we ended up getting beaten a close game. And I still remember it because the next day I had a meeting with the whole offensive team, and I, I just asked them, I said, did Norfolk State beat us or did we lose? And they all knew what I was talking about. We lost. Norfolk State didn't beat us. We lost the game. From that point on, we took care of the ball, and we won five out of our last six ball games, ended up second in the conference. And, you know, that was a really, really rewarding year because if you think about that situation, and, I mean, here I am. I'm a white guy at Morgan State, HBC school. They could have easily said, what the hell is this guy doing? You know what I mean? We're, we're 0-5. But we stuck together and we fought through it, and it's so – from a coaching standpoint, that may have been the best coaching job I personally have ever done. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty cool. It was, it was one year. It was fun. Unfortunately, I had coach. They fired him. And so, you know what that's like. When he gets fired, we're all gone. Yeah. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's, that's just the way it goes. But that, that, uh, that was a – I really enjoyed that year. And I actually thought I was going to be the next head coach there. I was one of the two finalists, and uh just didn't work out. Huh. You know, so. I didn't know that. 
I actually I actually started out at Morgan State, Coach Gregory, before I transferred in to OU. So I, you, I was two years at Morgan. Really? Yeah, that's when Stump Mitchell was the head coach there. I played for Stump. Okay. He came and recruited me out of Columbus. And uh, when he left I to go to Seattle, that's when I came to, to OU. So pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a really uh, – it was a unique place. I mean, it really was, and uh, uh, quite an experience for me. And uh, yeah. uh, some of the stories I can tell you are unbelievable. I probably can't tell you on the radio, though. <laughs> I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those things. Oh, hey. No, it, I've, I've been really fortunate. I've had a lot of good times. I've had some bad times. I've been fired a couple times individually. I've been fired a couple times on staffs. That's just part of the game, you know. Yeah, uh, I've been fired. To Everett knows I basically got fired at Ohio University. And realistically, it saved the rest of the staff one more year. Right. You know, it was right. it was one of those deals where if I don't get fired, the head coach is going to get fired. Right. And but the crazy, if he gets the crazy, if he gets fired, everybody's gone. Yeah, the crazy thing, offensively, we were really good. We were just really young on defense. But we were really good on I, offense. But, but I, I still remember when Coach Knorr called me in. Uh, I mean, I knew he, he was going to have to fire somebody. And right. DeRuder is his best friend from Air Force, is the defensive coordinator. Well, he ain't going anywhere. So, it, it, <laughs> you know, that's just yeah. the way. And all I asked Brian, I asked Brian uh, uh, when we when we when he when he was letting me go, I said, "Are you making this decision, Brian?" As Tom Bay, the athletic director across the street, and he wouldn't answer me. And uh, <laughs> but that, you know that that's that's just part of the deal. You know that, that if you if you can't handle being fired, and you know I've been around a coach that takes it personally, you know, a guy, a real good friend of mine takes it personally that he was let go as a, as a line coach somewhere. And he, now he, he always, he, he can't ever compliment another offensive line coach. You know, it really bothers him. And I try to talk to him about that, that, Hey, it's not a personal thing. I mean, sometimes a head coach just got to do it. You just got to do what you got to do, you know? And, uh, you know, so I, you just can't take that personal. You know, and I was I was covered financially, so uh, yeah, I've, I've been through some ups and downs that way, and and everything. But it's just, hey, it is what it is. Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, um, as we get ready to close, if you could, what piece of advice would you give to a young student athlete that has aspirations to play on the next level? Well, I think the biggest thing is just you you have to always understand that there's somebody else out there as good as you and is working as hard as you. And so don't ever think you, you cannot judge yourself based on the people that you're around, you know, because to go to the next level, you're going to be competing against other people. You've got to continuously be elevating yourself. Your work ethic is so important and it's not always about quantity. It's about quality work ethic. Quality work ethic is really, really important. Doing things right, and and then the other, I think the other big thing, and I would tell all of them, be careful with social media. Social social media can hurt you, probably more than it can help you. You know, it, it can hurt you more than it can help you. Other people can 
can tout your accomplishments, you know, for you. You just, hey, if, if, if you're a good enough player, you will be spotted. And But you, you just, I, I just think young guys, they, they have a tendency to base everything on those that are around them. And you, you guys all know, when you go to the next level, it's not just the guys in Podunk County. Now it's guys from all over the United States that you're competing with. So there's always yeah. people out there, and you, you just got you have to continue. You, you, you it, it's an old saying. It's pretty. It and it sounds cliche, but you don't stay the same. You know, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And so you have to you have to ask yourself every day. You know, did I get better today? Did I do what it what was necessary to really get better today? You know, and it, that's a hard thing to do. It's a real hard thing to do, and and I would give one one more little piece of advice. And Bob Sutton at West Point used to have this saying, and is that you always move in the direction of your most dominant thought. And so, if you really want something bad enough, I would advise every young athlete, whatever that goal is, put it on your mirror in your bathroom, write it out. So that every day, you know, you see it. If, if your goal is to go, I want to be a scholarship football player, put it on your mirror. Mm-hmm. And then you just have, every day you see that, and underneath says, what do I have to do today to get me there? And because if you just take the time every day to think about, all right, what do I have to do to achieve what I ultimately want to achieve, you'll move that direction. You will do the right things. You know, you'll do the right things. But the, the mistakes happen when you just get careless and you don't think about, you know, you go, you do something dumb that, that haunts you, that, that, that just doesn't help you get to the next level. It's true. It's true. I got to ask you a question real quick. Okay. Who, 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 you, who, who, who are you picking next week? <laughs> I'm going to go with my Citadel ties. Um, Andre Roberts, who played for me at the Citadel, is with the Buffalo Bills. Okay. All right. And then Maurice Drayton, who's a really good friend of mine. He's another Citadel grad. Um, He's the assistant special teams coordinator at the Green Bay Packers. So I'm going with the Packers. Yep, exactly. Well, I'm, I'm sitting down here right now just south of Tampa down here and just south in Sarasota, so you know who I'm pulling for. You know, I'm, I'm pulling. But I will say this, that, you know, I've watched a lot of football, and I really enjoy the pro game a lot more than the college game now. The college game to me doesn't have any defense. There's not enough defensive linemen. Teams don't have either, they either don't have enough defensive linemen or they don't have skilled enough secondary guys. So it just becomes a glorified pass skeleton for most of the teams. The, the NFL, yeah. you know, you, you, they rush four and get pressure. They can cover. They can mm-hmm. they can lock up. You guys all watched the Alabama game. I could have thrown the ball to Devontae Smith. <laughs> I mean, every play he's got five-yard separation. You know, yeah. you look in the NFL. Yeah. You look in the NFL. There's tight windows you're throwing into. Tight windows. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a different. Absolutely. And I've gotten, I've, I've gotten where I just really like the. I don't even enjoy the the college game much anymore because it's just too. 
it, it just reminds me of too much like Pasky. It just uh, yeah. You know, I like I like to bang the ball around a little bit. I, I don't I like throwing it, but I like to be able to run the ball and you know it's just it's a different game. The NFL is just a different game and the hits are violent and physical. I, I I love that. I love watching NFL football now, which 15 years ago you'd have never heard me say that. Right. Yeah. Right. Hey, let's take a little break. Greg, again, I appreciate you joining us tonight. Good luck this year in, in Japan, and hopefully you all can get back to winning another championship. Thank you very much. You guys have a great new year, okay? All right. right sounds good. We'll have to take a break. Hold on, everybody, and we'll be back in a few. If that's where I was mine. How's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back. Um, and I have another guy that I had opportunity to work with in 2019, Mr. Willie Coons, offensive coordinator at Coastal Carolina. Hey, Willie, how's everything going? Everett, going, going great, my friend. Uh, just uh, getting back in, getting back into the swing of things. We started back uh, in the office last Wednesday and we start spring. We start. We start winter practice. We call it winter practice around here. Uh, next uh, week from tomorrow. So quick, uh, quick bang bang turnaround. Feels like the season just ended. and You're jumping right back into it. But, but a lot of exciting stuff going on. And and uh, yeah, man, doing well, doing well. Excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. 2020. What a year for Coastal Carolina. Um, you had a, a, a bunch of different challenges. I'm sure COVID presented some of them. Um, 
how did you all overcome some of those challenges? What did you all do that was different? Well, I don't um I don't know if we necessarily did anything uh entirely different than uh, what other people did in terms of just um being prepared to work remotely. You know, I think everybody had the the same challenges and um I think we were really organized with it. I think um you know, obviously we'll we'll get into talking about uh, more in depth about the season and about how how um you know, Grayson McCall had a had a, a tremendous year, but um I think really honestly, you know, you, you look at it and um, you think, okay, you're not getting as much face-to-face interaction with your players from basically the month of March on until we got our players back. We got our players back the second week of July and everything in that chunk of time was remote. And, um, and obviously we were, you know, the NCAA made some adjustments to the rules in terms of, you know, being able to do some more football uh, meeting type stuff over Zoom to account for that. And man, it really, it really gave me some time to really kind of go back through and really, you know, go to, you know, base, you know, teaching type stuff for with the quarterbacks. Um, you know, some things you kind of take for granted, you know, you, you, you know, you're so pressed for time to install your, your offense in the spring and then, and then fall camp, you know, everybody can attest to that. And, um, and there's never enough time. There's never enough reps. There's never enough you know, minutes in the meeting room to be able to get everything in. So you're really pressed to try and make sure you get all of your install in during fall camp and during spring practice. And sometimes as college coaches specifically, you know, sometimes you kind of overlook, um, you take for granted what, what do my guys actually know in terms of just defensive identification and making sure that we're seeing it the same way and going really in depth on protections and, and, uh, man, I thought that was one of the biggest things, the best things that we had. And I think, you know, Grayson and I were talking about it towards the end of the year. I said, you know, where, where do you feel like you kind of took your your next step? Because this is his first year as a starter. He registered last year. And he said, honestly, it was, it was during that chunk of time during quarantine where we really got a chance to kind of jump in depth and just talk football. Not so much scheme-specific type stuff, but really, you know, get on the same uh, wavelength in terms of how you're identifying things. And, and Grayson was well coached. He had, he had a, a tremendous – high school career and had to play for a great coaching staff when he was in high school. But, um, but that was a big thing for us, uh, for the quarterback specifically. Now we were detailed with, with when we were meeting and, and what we were talking about during the meetings. I think for us as a coaching staff, we you know, spent a lot of time doing our opponent game plan uh, type stuff for all of our fall opponents. So that was beneficial for us. But I think the biggest thing, man, is, um, you know, our players taking, you know, Coach Chadwell's words to heart where, you know, this is not going to be a normal year. You can't uh, have the normal college experience and and go out and go to parties and be around other students. You've got to really shut yourself off if we're going to have, have an opportunity to do this because all it takes is one person being selfish and going to this party and contracting the virus or going somewhere they shouldn't be, and, and bang, you, you can lose a lot of players and you can lose – you know, you have to cancel football games, which, unfortunately, we had to it, – it kind of bit us in the butt towards the end of the year. But uh, we didn't really have any major issues. We didn't have any major outbreaks because, man, our senior leaders took that to heart, and they were taking our guy, holding our guys accountable. And, and I think that's just – I think everybody would say, you know, when does – you know, when do you know you've got the right culture within your program? It's when, you know, your players are, are advocating the things that, that the coaches are trying to um, encourage and enforce. And um, so, man, that was the biggest thing. Our players buying into that, um, you know, you, you – you, 
you've got to consistently be diligent about where you're going, wearing your mask and being socially distant. And, and so we're thankful for that. Cause if they don't do that, it doesn't matter what we do with our zoom meetings or our install meetings. It doesn't matter because you're not going to play very many football games. So we're super thankful for that. And, and they're a big credit for the reason that we were able to, you know, have a successful season, but just have a, a season where you didn't have to deal with a ton of cancellations. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know what? I just thought about it. Congratulations. Uh, you have a little daughter now. Um, how old is she? Oh, thank you very much. Yes, she is uh, four weeks old now. She, uh, Her name is Maggie. She was born uh, through five days before our bowl game against Liberty. So the Sunday of the week of the uh, – or the Monday of the week of the Liberty game, uh, we were at the hospital and, you know, very thankful and blessed for uh, – um, uh, my wife uh, Charlotte is, is healthy and doing well, healthy baby, and and it's just uh, it's been amazing. And you couldn't really, I mean, football coaches can attest to this. I mean, you couldn't draw up any more perfect timing in terms of of when you want your baby to be born because we, we were done, you know, the season was over, and and just had a lot of time just to be here at home. And thankful to work for for a head coach that gave us, you know, uh, two and a half weeks off where we we just got out of the office and spent time with families and. And uh, and so we just soaked it up, and I think I think I I probably tipped the scales. I probably put on some weight just like she's been putting on weight because all we've been doing is <laughs> hanging out with her, watching movies, and and eating food, you know. So, but uh, but yeah. So little, little Maggie, she's here, and completely all the cliches are true. You instantly become the person that uh, you know. You kind of like make fun of the person that wants to show uh, pictures of their kid to everybody. You instantly become that person. I realize like instantly. Like I want to show everybody pictures of her and videos of her, so uh, it's funny how that, how that works. Well, hey, well, well, let me give you a warning right now, okay? They grow up quick. <laughs> and next thing you know, your daughter's going to be a senior in high school, and you get ready to send her off to college. So they grow up quick, so enjoy it. Everybody, everybody, everybody said that. Everybody at that. Has told us the same thing. So uh, yeah, and and you know, I think uh, I mean it might have been my father-in-law or my brother-in-law. Somebody said, you know, it it it, it is going to go by super quick. So enjoy every little stage of it. Even at the 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 dirty diaper at three thirty in the morning, you got to go change. So like, enjoy that process, you know, because it's going to go so quick. Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, um, back to football. Uh, a major factor in the season was the emergence of, of Grayson McCall. Now, again, he he sort of stepped up in the game. We went to spring ball, um, and it was still who the starting quarterback was still up in the air because um, you had two veteran guys there. What did Grayson do to sort of separate himself from everybody else? Well, I think, um, you know, the – 2019 season, you're able to see uh, that he had some just some God-given talents, and um, and you knew that he had a chance to be a pretty special player uh, during that 2019 season when he redshirted. He um, he played in a similar style of offense. He, he played in a spread option offense, so he ran a lot of the same concepts that we run now. So that really, I think, helped him um, have a familiarity and feel comfortable within the system when he first got here, which was. You know, he's able to show, you know, uh, you know, stand out early on. But 
2019 season, he wasn't quite ready because, I, to me, I don't think he quite understood what it took to prepare uh, to be the guy. You know, he, he had a lot of physical gifts, and he's got a, a high football IQ, and, and, he's, and he's a tough football player. But I don't think he understood how to, how to pay the price off the field. I think, um, you know, he, uh, from the 19 season to the 20 season, one of the biggest things that, that he's shown me is, man, he worked his tail off uh, on understanding the offense, studying the offense on his own, realizing that, you know, the amount of time that I get to spend with those guys is capped by NCAA rules. You know, there's only so many hours that I'm able to spend with them watching film. So if he just hangs his hat on that, um, you know, what is he doing with that other time that, that he has that he can invest in his craft? So that was one of the biggest things that, that, uh, that I've seen, and, and it's it's shown up. You know, we're able to um, track how many hours of film they spend, um, how many hours they spend watching film. You know, we, we use EXOs, but it's the same thing on Huddle. You can track how many hours your players are – are spending watching tape and Grayson was, you know, one of the, if not the highest, one of the highest ones on the offense um, and on the whole team of, of watching tape. And he had to overcome some things this year. Um, he missed three weeks. When we came back to the second week of July, he missed 21 straight days, but he couldn't come out and work out the offense because of contact tracing within his roommates. Um, the, um, he had some guys around him that tested positive. So he had to miss three weeks of meetings, three weeks of on the field workouts now, it wasn't padded type stuff, but those are all, um, you know, three weeks of practice that you miss being a guy that you're trying to beat out, as you mentioned, two guys that were um, older than him um, that had started multiple games in their careers and, and really, really good players. Um, and he's able to overcome that by the amount of time that he spent uh, watching tape, and he invested a lot into that. So I think that's the biggest thing that I saw from him from – from year one to year two, now he understands what it takes to prepare. Now he understands that, you know, you got to pay the price every single day. And it doesn't matter what you did last week. It, it starts back over every week. And um, I think the two other things I'd say about him are, you know, people that have watched him can tell that he's a very gifted and skilled player. But he is uh, physically and he is mentally tough. Um, his physical toughness against South Alabama he didn't practice that entire week. He couldn't practice that entire week because he had a back injury from the week before. Um, he looked like a like an old man on Tuesday and Wednesday. Like he could barely move around, could barely, you know, couldn't throw it all because he couldn't rotate. And then, uh, you know, Friday he started getting an injection in it, starts feeling better on a Friday, and and we haven't seen him practice all week, so we're like, you know, Grace, you gotta you gotta show us tonight that you can throw, and if you're gonna play tomorrow. So Friday afternoon at five o'clock, we take him through a workout, and he throws routes on air and. And um, he looks looks pretty sharp. So he ends up playing that week. And um, uh, the Troy game, uh, he ends up uh, you know leading us on a on a two minute drive to win that football game. But he played that entire game because he did it halfway through the first quarter. He did that with uh, with a partially torn ligament in his throwing thumb, which is just unbelievable. Uh, anybody who's played the position, if you have any type of thumb issue, it's so difficult to to get a good grip on the football and locate it the way you you're capable of. And he was able to do that. And then the last thing I'll say is the mental toughness side of things with him. He threw three interceptions all season, which is amazing by anybody's standards. But to really think about that as a first year starter, as a freshman, it's just unbelievable that he's able to do that. Uh, He threw 26 touchdowns and only had three turnovers after every single one of those three turnovers, he came back and he responded and led our, t- our team on a, on a touchdown drive, um, 
which which shows you that that he's mentally tough. He doesn't beat himself up. He's focused on the next drive. So, so he's a special player, and and we're excited about the the future with him. And and now he now that he's a solidified guy, he can really um, hopefully start to take a next step in terms of of uh, of being more of a vocal leader, that type of stuff. As as you get older and become the the guy at a position, uh, he'll have those opportunities. But he's a fun one to coach, man. He loves football. He's tough and very talented player. Good. Now, 2019, yeah. there was a lot. There was only one game that you were, you were out of. A lot of games was lost at the last in the last drive or in the last, in late in the fourth quarter. 2020, you were able to win most of those games that was tight in the fourth quarter. Um, at what point in the season did you have that feeling that hey? This team's a little bit different, and they're going to go on and be able to finish um, this season. Well, I think um, you know it, you, you uh, talked about in 2019. You know, we uh, one of the things, the main theme for the season for Coach Chabon in in, uh, in the 2020 year was the number 24. So we were five and seven in 2019. Um, five of those seven losses were combined. Uh, 24 points, all one score uh, games. Tight football games came down to the last last drive. The other two, uh, you know, the other two got out of hand, and 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 we lost by multiple scores. But five of those were one score games, and it all added up to 24 points. So the theme for this this season, this 2020 season, with Coach Jowell and his first team meeting with these guys was the number 24, and he challenged the players to, you know we're knocking on the door. We're close. And nobody wants to hear that as a player. And it, it makes you sick at the end of the year when you watch, go back and watch through where you just came up a bit short. And the challenge was uh, to make the players understand that, man, that the number 24 is everywhere around us. You know, it's kind of like that any given Sunday Al Pacino uh, speech, you know, the, the inches are all around us. Those points, those 24 points are all around us. It's not just found on game day. You know, it's in the way that you prepare. It's in the way that you work out in the weight room. It's every, giving every single ounce of what you got to your teammates and, and to your program. And not because we're demanding as coaches, as coaches, because you love your teammates, you love your brother. And, um, and that was the biggest, the biggest thing, man, that the, I mean, the number 24 became, became kind of this rallying cry. And you heard seniors hmm. talking about it when they're talking about, about it to younger guys and everybody had wristbands with number 24. And so the mentality was, was, you know, from the first team meeting on was, Hey, we're knocking on the door. We're really close, but um, you know that doesn't really matter unless we take our next step. And as far as that showing up in a game, I'd say it's probably the fourth game of the season against Louisiana. You know, we were able to win the first three games, even though they were tight in in different scenarios, different situations. We were able to pull away in those first three games, but the fourth game, fourth game of the season against Louisiana, and it was I mean it was a brawl. It was a war. That's a great football program, great football team. We we're able to win that that game with the last second field goal as time expired. And I think that was kind of getting that, uh, getting over that hump of not losing those close games, those one score games. And, and then uh, just like with anything, you, you find a little bit of success and you see, uh, you know, what you're trying to preach to the players, you see it um, unfold on the, on the field. That's when you've got everybody bought in and believing and, and uh, fighting for the same cause. But I think that'd be the game that, that stands out in my mind where you're able to kind of, uh, get over that hump a little bit. Yeah. Hey, Coach, I just want to I want to interject real quick and ask you. You know, 
hearing you talk about the different things that motivated the team to, to find those extra points, those extra yards going into the season. We've all been a part of teams that have had success like you guys had this year, going on a run um, like that. And, you know, sometimes it's it's easy for uh, the guys, I know for me as a player and then also as a coach, to kind of, you know, rest on your laurels there and, and start reading the, the, the press clippings and watching the highlight films and thinking back about all the great things you did last year. Um, but we all know from a coach's perspective and from playing that none of those, none of those highlights and none of those wins next year are going to, are, are going to win you guys any games. What's the motivation that you're giving your, your guys in the quarterback room and the offense there to, to come mentally prepared and, and to really put the work in this off season, especially with the quick turnaround for you guys, um, with winter ball or spring ball or however you guys are, um, you know, considering that there. Like, what's the motivation that you're going to be kind of holding them to the fire to, to believe in to to have the, the same effect next year or an even better, actually? Well, I think it's it's uncharted territory for uh, this Coastal Carolina football program uh, today because the, the first uh, – my first year was 2017, so – uh, nobody that's still on our roster was around before that. So in 2017, mm-hmm. we won three games. The next two games, we won five games. So we've never, you know, since I've been here and since the players in this locker room currently have been here, you know, had never won more than five games except for last year. So I think this year, wow. the 2021 season, is the greatest challenge we have as a staff because I think it's it's a little bit what you're talking about. I think it's a little bit more difficult to capture within a team as opposed to being the underdog. I mean, we were picked to finish last in the conference at the beginning of the season in 2020. Yeah. So the motivation yeah. and the, you know, playing with the chip on your shoulder and playing pissed off because no one thinks you're any good, you, you know, you're, you're not going to have that. You know, I'm not, I don't know where we'll get picked this year, but I think this will be a greater challenge for us as a coaching staff. But I think, um, I think a lot of times, you know, you still, you're bringing back 20 of 22 starter, starters, um, on our roster are coming back this year. And a lot of those yeah. guys are older guys, they're seniors and juniors, and they were a part of those teams that won five games, that won three games. And um, it's very similar to when I was at Charleston Southern um, as an assistant uh, working for Coach Chowell. We had a lot of guys that, um, that before we got there were a part of a, a zero-win season, you know, a five-win season. So we still had those guys in the locker room that were just – you played pissed off and we had winning seasons just like we had a winning season this year at coastal. So I think it's, it's, um, it's a mentality. I don't think it's based off of the results that you have. Um, I think it is, you know, sometimes you, we wanted to win that last game. Obviously we wanted to finish the season undefeated, you know, but we lost our, our last game. We finished up 11 and one. We lost against Liberty and that stinks. You know, you want to win the football game, but sometimes that can, that can uh, be a positive. That can, that can keep your team hungry and keep you guys, your guys focused, but um, it's a different, it's a great point. It's a great question. I think it's a different set of, of, of motivation, but I don't, it's not like we've done this four or five years in a row. I think it's still fresh in our mind of what it's like to be picked to finish last, to finish five and seven and, and, and not get those things done. So I feel good about the guys at the, the senior leadership. Now, if this was a totally new team and, you, you lost all your guys, I think it'd be even more of a challenge, you know, but I think there's a lot of guys that have been here that they kind of struggled through the, some of those, those lulls those last couple of years. Yeah. Now, yeah. Speaking of Liberty, let's just sort of go through the first Liberty game that was supposed to happen. Um, 
They canceled it beginning of the week. They threw BYU in there, and that was probably one of the greatest games ever. Um, But what was it like? From the coach's perspective, I'm getting ready for Liberty. Okay, Liberty's not playing. Okay, now we got to play BYU. What was that like? Well, you know, we uh, we we made Red Bull the company a lot of money uh, that first day because <laughs> the caffeine was just flowing through the building. Um, but you know, our, our so our student assistants and our GAs, you know, we we. We caught wind Wednesday after practice, Wednesday night, that, hey, this this might, this might game might not get played. And, you know, there was kind of some rumblings. Yeah, hey, you know, BYU's open. But it wasn't for sure Wednesday night. So our GAs and our student assistants stayed up there Wednesday night till probably 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, breaking down all the BYU games that we could get and start, you know, start having that prepared. And so we found out officially Thursday morning at, like, I don't know, nine o'clock, the game was off and BYU was on. And so had they not done that, we would have been behind, you know, three hours or so probably of just having to break, break down and input that uh, data into the film. So the GAs and the, and the student assistants, the guys that broke that film down are the, are the real MVPs of that, of that week. Um, But, um, but we went right into it and we knew, you know, Hey, we got 48 hours to get ready for a football game against a team that's really, really freaking good. And the hardest part about it, honestly, was the fact that they don't, you know, our offense is unique. Uh, we're, you know, we're a 21 personnel. We base out of that spread option offense. So there's not a lot of teams that run a ton of that. Um, mm-hmm. But it's even, but it's even less out there the teams that they play. So we didn't really have yeah. a great picture of what how they were going to line up to us specifically offensively. So we knew we had to be simple. Um, and we just need to, you know, a confused player is not going to be a good player. So we knew if we try to confuse our guys or try to do too much, we weren't going to execute. So it was very, very, very base. I mean, we ran our, our belly play, our direct run, inside run, with a bunch of different formations, motion shifts, all that. I think it was ended up being like 15 times, which is, I think, is probably a record with our staff. Um, and, man, our, our, it was an amazing night. It was an amazing 48 hours. Um and yeah. uh, one of the best football games I've ever been a part of. You know, I mean, it's just insane. The game, you, get, you know, you get tackled on the one yard line. That's the the scenario you you uh, when you're playing pickup, you know, playing pickup football in the backyard with your 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 brother, your your uh, guys in your neighborhood. That's the scenario that you always come up with, right? You get tackled at the one yard line as time expired. So it's just amazing. A lot of caffeine and try to keep it simple and <laughs> and make them defend us instead of trying to come up with something new on such short notice. Yeah, and and looking at the stats from that game, you know, you, you know, you guys really did well and and pounding the rock at those guys. I'm seeing, you know, 54 carries, 282 yards, averaging over five yards a carry, really doing a good job of keeping Zach off the off the field on the other side because you know, obviously, we're all seeing that they're saying that maybe he's the second quarterback taken after, um, you know, the next greatest thing since Peyton Manning. So it's like. You know, you find yourself in a situation like that. Um, hey, I want to I want to put you on the spot here, getting a chance to see Zach up close. You know, obviously you've got a young guy and Grayson McCall. You know, how do you think the two compare as Grayson kind of settles in into into who he's going to become as a quarterback and getting a chance for for him getting a chance to see Zach up close and personal? I think that's some good motivation for him to kind of dig in and really put the work in and the effort in. 
You know, to be honest with you, I, I uh, well, first of all, I think the sky's the limit for Grayson. I think, um, I mean, I, I think Grayson, if he continues to work and he continues to be a great teammate um, and he, he takes care of his body and, and, and prepares the way he prepared this year, sky's the limit. I think he can, he can play after college 100%. But as far as him going up against Zach Wilson – and using it as some kind of uh, motivation or anything like that. I don't think he's really wired that way. I don't think he's really wired by, you know, other people. I think he's, he's really just has a high standard for himself. And, you know, he, he, uh, yeah. he played high school football in Charlotte, North Carolina, and him and Sam Howell uh, from the University of North Carolina, they're, they're the same, same age and, and played against each other a couple times in high school. And obviously Sam Howell got a lot more recognition and a lot more recruitment when he was in high school. Grayson was a little under, very under recruited. I believe we were his only FBS offer. And, um, and when you, when you ask him about it, when we talk about it, he doesn't talk about it as in, Oh, well, you know, he gets so much attention and I don't, I can't believe that. Like he's really not wired that way. And I know some guys are, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with being wired that way, but he's really not like, he's just wired to where he has a standard that he sets for himself to perform at. You know, when he makes a mistake on game day, um, I really – I don't really get on the headset with anybody <clears throat> a ton after, like, some type of physical mistake because when I was a player, I didn't need you to tell me that I screwed something <laughs> up that obviously I know that I screwed right. up, you know. And uh, But yeah. there's been a couple times where there's been – you know, it's more the mental side if, if he makes a mistake in terms of picking the wrong side on a progression. Or sometimes I just want to see kind of what, what where his eyes were and different stuff like that. And, and sometimes I'll try to get him on the headset and he'll have to, like, he'll take the headset, but he'll kind of take 30 seconds to kind of clear his head a little bit because he's so pissed off at himself, you know. So that's – I think he's just wired to where, you know, he's – like I said, he's got a standard for himself, and he expects himself to play at that level. And, and he could have gone up against uh, Deshaun Watson. I don't, I don't – you know, I don't think he would have compared himself or anything like that. So um, – which yeah. I think is, a, is probably a good quality to have, you know. I think that, you know, Coach Shaw talks to our players about – being your best instead of being the best all the time. When you're being, when you're trying to be the best, you're comparing yourself to somebody else. And when you're trying to be your best, you have control over that. You don't have any control over being the best because that's all, that's subjective to who you ask, you know. And I think, uh, I think he's wired that way. That's great. Well, hey, well, Willie, we definitely appreciate it. Um, and again, congratulations on your daughter. Uh, congratulations on a great season. And one last question before we go. Do you think going early and finishing spring ball was an advantage for you all this year? A hundred percent. It was it was a huge deal for us. Um I think I think there might have been one other FBS program that finished all, all fifteen of their spring practices. A lot of people started but didn't get to finish. So that was a huge right. advantage for us, and uh, it's a huge advantage for Grayson. You know, just having those 15 opportunities to see him, evaluate him. You know, um, you know, fix fix any of the mistakes that you see. You know, if you if you if you don't get all 15 of those spring practices, and he misses the 21 days that he did in in July when we came back, you know, who knows? You might not. He, maybe he's not prepared. Maybe he's not ready at that point. I wouldn't put it past him. Maybe he still does because he's just such a gifted player. But there's no telling. You know, and and obviously we had a we were uh, just so much more explosive uh, for a lot of reasons, but obviously he was a big reason for that. So um, but it, it was huge. And I think that's why 
you know, I mentioned to you at the beginning, we start spring practice next Wednesday. <laughs> you know, so we're 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 scrambling trying to get through end of season cut ups, clean up the things you need to clean up and then start installing for the spring with um you know, I think we've got eight mid year guys, new players, new faces and everything. So so because because of the success we had with it last year, there's you know, Coach Shaw was not gonna roll the dice and try and push it back and, and not get those fifteen prices because he realizes how how big of a competitive advantage it can be for us. Exactly. Exactly. Well, hey, again, congratulations. Uh, thank you again for joining us. And uh, sometime soon, we'll definitely look forward to getting you back on again. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, gentlemen. Have a good night. All right, Coach. Uh, you have a good night. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. I was a baller, I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six form parlor. I wish I was like six foot nine so I could get with Leo. She could she don't know me, but yo, she's really fine. You know I see her all the time, everywhere I go, and living in my dreams, I can see my ways to make her mine. Cause I know she's living fat. Her boyfriend's tall and he plays ball, so how am I gonna compete with that? Cause when it comes to playing basketball, I'm always last to be with and some cases never put it off. So I just lean up on the wall. With the rest of the girls who came to watch they man ball Dad, y'all, I never understood black Whether jocks get the fly girls And me, I get the hood rats I tell them, scat, skittle, kebabble Got hit with a body But sit in a hospital for dark in that mess I confess it's a shame When you living in a city that's the size of a box And nobody knows your name Glad I came to my senses Like quick, quick, got sick, sick to my stomach Overcoming by thoughts of me and us together, right? So when I asked out, she said I wasn't a type I wish I was a little bit taller I wish I was a ball Cause if you don't want me 
around. See, I go simple, I go easy, I go greyhound. Hey, you, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down. Ah, yes, ain't that fresh? Everybody wants to get down like that. Wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit and a hat with a bat and a big form parlor. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Clans with the West Sports Talk Show, and we are back. We have uh, Gamecock with us, um, young man that played for me when I was uh, coaching over there, Mr. DJ Park. DJ, how's everything going? Uh, good, good. Can't complain about stuff. It's going well, man. It's going well. Now, uh, now, DJ. Um, yes, sir. You got to play a little professional ball, but tell us a little bit about your journey. Tell us where you're from, you know, how you got to South Carolina, where you went next, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, well, I'm originally from Dillon, South Carolina. Uh, pretty much grew up, born and raised in South Carolina. Went to Dillon High School and uh, from there went to USC, played there five years. And then uh, after my USC uh, journey. I went. I ended up going to Canada and playing for Toronto for a little while, and uh, now I'm back here in the home, trying to make something happen here. Make sure the virus don't get me. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. The um, now, I imagine. Well, I know the CFL when when the coronavirus uh, started, they shut down the CFL as well. So you. You was on the team in 2019. You was planning on going back in 2020. Coronavirus happened. Um, one, will the CFL play this year? Have you heard anything from them? Uh, from my understanding, they're going to be playing this year. They're going to be uh, starting a little bit early, actually. So, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. From, from what I heard, everything's supposed to be a go. But, you know, that's up in the air as usual. Right, right. Are you going to have an opportunity to go back to Toronto, or are you looking at some other teams? Uh, well, I'd rather be back at home. Uh, going to being in Canada was nice, but uh, <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather stay home <laughs> if possible. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Now, the word I'm hearing is that the XFL is going to come back. Um, uh, you talk. You think that's going to have a possibility of happening this year? Uh, from what my understanding supposed to be coming back next year. I guess they'll do like they did the year before and start recruiting people again this year. But uh, from my understanding, supposed to be back and playing next year, giving people another opportunity. They're going to start in 2022. Uh, yes, yeah. sir. From my understanding, what a season. Season will start in 2022. Okay. Okay. But, of course, they got to have everything in place by then, so – They'll go on and, and, as you said, start getting the coaching staff together, um, start getting the teams together here sometime soon. Have you heard when they're going to start working on that? Uh, I haven't heard anything recently, but uh, I, I believe that's kind of on a day-to-day basis due to the virus, so there's not really a lot of public information floating around right now. Okay. 
DJ, speaking of the virus, you know, how is that impacting your ability to get in the gym, get out on the field, get some field work in, you know, really keep yourself in, uh, you know, in fighting trim to be ready, you know, when, when some of these teams start calling for workouts and things of that nature with, I know a lot of the gyms, I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and a lot of gyms here, limited number of people that are allowed in there and things of that nature. Have you been working with a personal trainer or what's, what's, what's the best way that you're going about that right now? Oh, uh, well, thankfully, thankfully being here in Germany, uh it's not that big. So there's not that many people. So things didn't get hit quite as bad. The gym stayed open a little while. Then when it closed, uh, I was actually with some guy, a guy I went to high school with and, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of guys I went to high school. We kind of just got together and we go out to the field and we just kind of kept it going. To today, it was like we haven't missed a day so far. Like every day, we're out of the gym back open, hit the gym, and then go to the field. Good, 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 good. Now, now Keith, you're probably not aware of Dillon, South Carolina, but Dillon's one of the mecca, football meccas here in the state. <laughs> okay, okay. They, Year to year out, they they're turning out really really good players, and uh, okay. and you know when, when Dylan loses early, you know it's a surprise as far as in the playoffs. Dylan is one of the ones that's usually going late, if not playing for a state championship, they're in the lower state or, or the upper state or whatever it is. Um, which one is it? Is Dylan considered an upper state or lower lower state? Right. We're lower state, yes. Sir. Yes, yes. And, I, and I, again, I should know that because I actually played Dylan when I was in high school. Um, oh, Dylan, okay. was, uh, we were, Dylan was a bigger school at that time, and they 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 got a little bit a little bit smaller. And of course, regardless of what division they're playing in, it was dominant. Uh, they weren't dominant when they played Conway, of course, but oh, everybody man. else was. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, EJ, tell us, because, again, one of the things that, uh, you know, we, we're constantly working on is, is just to help kids understand that they can be successful without having to be a professional athlete. But, again, mm-hmm. the goal for most um, that that play at the college level is they want to be a professional athlete. So how was your transition from college uh, Uh, coming from college to the real world was a real big wake up call. <laughs> uh, <laughs> everything, uh, you have to go from everything being scheduled and, you know, being on here at a certain time and stuff like that, people holding you accountable, uh, going to dish yourself, you're holding yourself accountable. And like, uh, it comes with a lot of self-discipline. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had to realize that coming out of college because, uh, I was used to waking up every day, having to be working out and stuff like that. Uh, football is basically my life. Of course, school and stuff is there, but you're a football player. Your life is football. Um, and when you get to the real world, you see life ain't all about football no more. But, yes, of course, going to the pros, being a professional athlete, your life is all about football. It's not necessarily like saying, like, hey, let's go and have fun. There's always going to be a tomorrow. We go to the pros. It might not be this afternoon. <laughs> so, I mean, you have to 
have your real world skills. You have to know what's going on. You have to have like uh, like uh, paying rent, paying bills, stuff like that. Setting up your own, getting your apartment set up. Uh, that, I mean, it takes a lot. Nobody really tells you that when you go out into the real world. Mm-hmm. In the real world, but like if you do that, you stand at home. Mm-hmm. Good. Now, how was your time in Toronto? Because, um, because again, played played it in the SEC. Then you get up to Toronto. What was the difference between uh, that that SEC play and that CFL play? Uh first of all, is <laughs> the game is the same, but it changes because there's a few more rules. There's an extra man. Granted, it didn't affect me too much having an extra man there, but uh, yeah, the rule changes was probably the biggest thing that got me going up to play Canadian ball. But playing in the SEC, okay. it was like. A crowd is going to be there. You don't hear no noise all game long. There's going to be a stadium full of people who either love you or don't like you. And <laughs> going up to Toronto and stuff, uh, it, it was a real culture shock coming from like a place, coming from here in America where like football is one of those sports to where you're like, you're kind of bottom of the wrong, maybe fourth or third, you know, sport being watched being paid attention to because like there was I know remember one game we didn't even have on TV there was no way to see our game except the call and I wasn't used to that wow wow yeah because again at USC every game is televised as a matter of fact most oh, yeah. FBST every game is televised somewhere even if it's internet uh, being showed on the internet is televised somewhere so yeah that oh, is yeah. that is a little different that is a little different. So, I imagine hockey's probably number one up there. What else is? What are the other big sports in in Canada over football? Uh hockey, basketball, surprisingly, track is big up there. When it's not during like the real cold months, summertime, the track is real big up there. Um, but mostly, kind of just take a back seat in basketball and uh, hockey. How was it being up there during the time that the Raptors won? Uh, were you there when the Raptors won the uh, won the NBA title? Uh, <clears throat> I wasn't up there at the time. Uh, I actually okay. got sent home during that time. Uh, but just hearing about it from my old teammates, man, they were they were living the highlights. Because <laughs> <laughs> up there, yeah, up there. I mean, the difference. Also, going back to, like, the differences in football up there, like, we're only there yeah. four hours a day. Like, that's it. Right. From practice to meetings to working out, we can only be at the stadium four hours, mandatory. And then if you choose to stay, that's on you. But that's, so that was a real reality change right there because you got so much more free time. Right. So you only worked out, well, that's workout. That's practice, that's meetings, that's everything, four hours a day, right? That's everything. So what do you do with the rest I usually uh, head back to the room for a little while and go get me uh, another lift in somewhere else, some stretching or something, try to keep fresh, try to go over plays and keep on trying to learn the game. Because being up there for my first year out of school and playing in almost like a whole new system, in terms of like learning the rules and stuff, it, it was hard. 
Because even the yeah. little fine details just change the game. You know what? I never thought that having that 12th man on the field would affect the offensive line. It just never came across my mind that, that you all would be affected by that. Uh, but oh, I, yeah. guess it, I guess it I guess it does. So, well, just talking about transition, um, you had some time with Coach Spurrier. You had some time with Coach Muschamp. Uh, they're two coaches. Oh, yeah. I understand they both cared about the players. They wanted to win. But how were they different? How was that transition from Coach Spurrier to uh, Coach Muschamp? Uh, starting off with Spurrier, Spurrier was a very, I don't know, he was one of a kind. <laughs> It's about how you can explain it. Uh, but he was one of those guys who liked people who knew what they were doing. He liked you right. going hard. I mean, Barry as a person, great guy, but when he was on you, he was on you. He didn't let you slide with much. But then again, he wouldn't yeah. hang on to it either. Right, right. And that's one one thing I did appreciate him about that. Like, after the week was over, man, we are on to the next game. Uh, we on mm-hmm. we on to this week. I mean, there was no holding on to like, well, yeah, you might have messed up last week, but it's no week now, so we got to keep on going. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He had a he had a twenty uh, four hour rule. He said twenty four oh, hours yeah. after the game, you can either mourn the game or you can celebrate it. Either way, after twenty four hours, that's it. We're not talking about that game anymore. It's on to the next one. Um, which is definitely a great thing to have. If you're an athlete, um, just that's something to definitely keep in your back pocket. 24 hours, I'm going to mourn the loss, celebrate the win, regardless of what it is, it's over after 24 hours, and let's start getting ready for the next one, which is huge. Okay. It is huge. There, there's a new sheriff in town, um, Shane Beamer. Um, so I don't, Shane, was he was gone before you got there. Um uh, but what is your feel about the direction of USC right now? Uh, as it stands currently, I'm still kind of watching with everybody else. I mean, I don't really know anybody there anymore. <laughs> That's a little bit weird. But I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see how things are going to change. I mean, uh, I know every time you get a new coach, recruiting change, uh, facilities change, people change, how the whole shit rolls changing. and it's kind of exciting right. to see when people first come in to that situation. But uh, hopefully I'm hoping for the best one for sure. Right, right, right. Which facility-wise, now they got about everything they want over there now. You, uh, oh, yeah. They're, they're, the facilities over there are pretty nice right now. They're, they're definitely light years ahead of where they were five years ago. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I was. I got lucky enough to go see, uh, be able to tour the new facility, man. It was, it was beautiful. I kind of hate that it wasn't there when I was there, but. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you can say what you did helped that get there. So that that's that's uh, you're responsible for it. So, so that's good. Oh, that's good. good. Well, hey, well, what is next for you? What's on your agenda? I mean, what's next? Uh, I, I know you you're saying possibility of CFL. I mean, the XFL. But what are your thoughts? What do you have uh, on your uh, Well, my ultimate goal, of course, to go into the NFL. I've been working all my life for it. Uh, but to continue uh, 
personally, just kind of continue growing into a man and kind of taking on the world and see where it brings me, helping to take care of my family along the way to reach my ultimate goals. But yeah, the NFL right. is where I'm shooting for and where I plan to go. So I'm still going to keep working until I get there. Good, good, good. Now, what you major in? Uh, criminal justice. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is something you want to do with criminal justice? You want to be a police officer? Or you want to be a lawyer? Or, or what is your thought with criminal justice? Uh, as it stands right now, if I take that route, I'm looking to be like a sled officer or a DNR. And go work in DNR. DNR. What's DNR? I'm not thinking of it right now. Uh, it's basically like you go out, it's basically like you're a police officer, except you work in like state parks and different areas like that. Basically, you're going to be you're the police of the world. <laughs> All right. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Hey, DJ, um, obviously, you know, coming out of what it sounds like is a nice, you know, breeding ground for great football talent down there in South Carolina, you know, um, part of part of what Coach Sands is doing is, is still trying to inspire and encourage these young people, these young young adults that are coming up from behind, coming behind us, you know, to, to do better than what is it we've done. You know, your experience and going from, from playing high school ball to – playing at, you know, South Carolina in front of, you know, massive crowds and, and having that whole feeling to playing some, some pro ball, you know, what would you say to a young man that's that's out there working and thinks that this is the path that he wants to take as well, um, just to kind of give him some encouragement um, and, and some advice as to what to expect and, and how to handle it? Uh, well, first of all, starting with how to handle everything, uh, I would definitely have to say you have to keep your head on your shoulders. Like throughout, uh, you're going to go through ups and downs. You're going to question yourself sometimes. But through it all, you have to continue to make the right decisions. Uh, I know we all human. We all make mistakes. But making the best possible decisions is going to lead to the best outcome for sure. And, uh, yeah, don't, those, the biggest thing is not getting discouraged with your situation. Not everybody's going to be the superstar. But – you can. That doesn't change the fact you have to work to get where you want to go. Like everybody in the NFL isn't a superstar. Mm-hmm. That's what goes back into being like being the best that you can be. I mean, that's that is pretty much all football asks out of you. Be the best that you can be. Like at the end of the day, you have to be happy with you what you put on the field, what you put on film. And uh, if you do that, nobody can take it away from you. And uh. I could say growing up, I mean, I got shown plenty of examples from high school to college and going into pro ball of these veteran guys. It's just like just taking the day by the horns and just going out there and being these superstars, not because they were born a superstar, because they worked to become a superstar. And that always kind of inspired me, especially in high school, because I didn't really grow up thinking I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to the NFL and stuff like that. But after seeing these guys work so hard and seeing these guys on the field doing these amazing things, it really kind of drove me to uh, head in that direction and make me also encourage me as I was coming up uh, from high school to college and stuff like that. All the vets guys, they always kind of pushed me to be the best I could be. 
And uh, yeah, yeah, it's just just have to keep encouraged. I mean, that's that's been the biggest part of my journey so far because there's been times where everything was going right, and that's what I always kind of push for kids that I've talked to in the past is staying encouraged and keeping your head on straight. But those two things alone, and working hard, of course, but those two things, those three things, like it, it it's the difference maker. Right. Right. It is. It is. Well, hey, man, well, one thing, I'm going to put June 26th on your schedule, okay? Okay. Um, that will be the West Foundation football camp, the football and cheerleading camp down in Conway, South Carolina. And definitely love okay. to have you come down and be part of the coaching staff, um, which, again, you know, we usually have uh, a bunch of Citadel guys, a bunch of USC guys, a couple of NC State guys, a couple of – uh, uh, Elon guys, we actually have usually have three or four um, that come from Ohio U. So Keith, you got to go in and make sure you can get ready to get down there for that as well. Uh, but it's a really great time, opportunity to uh, to give back to the community and give these kids a vision of success. And, and you're a guy that has been where they want to be, um, not just on the collegiate level but on the professional level. And, and I think it'll be great for them to be able to see you and be around you and, and you work with some of those kids. So put that on your schedule. Oh, yes, sir. And let's be in contact, man. But I definitely appreciate you joining us. And, uh, and good luck with, with everything in the future. I uh, pray you get that opportunity going to play again, whether it's the XFL or, or the NFL. Um, and if the CFL caught with enough money, I bet you'll take your you're going back there too, so. We'll see. So, but hey, but we're going to take a little break. And one of the things we're going to do now, we're going to have a small tribute, because I know it was yesterday, uh, but we're going to have a small MLK uh, tribute. So uh, listen in, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Green Sally up, Green Sally down. Last time the the Green Sally up. If you can accept it, you will leave old state troopers blooded with their own barbarity. If you can accept it, you will do something that will transform conditions here in Alabama. So I'm not worried this afternoon, however dark it may be. This nation will rise up live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That is another part of that great statement. Yet that scaffold sways the future. It's the strong who can stand up amid opposition, who can stand up amid violence being inflicted upon him and not retaliate with violence. I will not rest until we are able to make this kind of witness in this city so that the power structure downtown will have to say, we can't stop this movement, and the only way to deal with it is to give these people what we owe them and what their God-given rights and their constitutional rights demand.
Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands. I'm back with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and I have my co-host, Keith Warren. Um, and we are uh, short of guests. I'm not sure what happened. I'll pray that everything's okay on his end. Uh, we're supposed to have um, Coach Dixon, the head coach at Heights High School in Houston, join us, but hopefully he'll be able to call in in a few minutes. Uh, but, Keith, let's just go on and finish talking about the playoffs the football playoffs. Uh, we talked yeah. a little bit about the Browns. We talked a little bit about the Raiders and the Bills. Um, you got the Bucks and the Saints. The Saints turned the ball over, didn't help them. The Packers, they pretty much uh, had control of the game early, and now you got the Packers and the Bucks. What do you see in that game? Man, um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. I think Aaron Rodgers is on fire, you know, going into that game. It was unfortunate that Aaron Donald wasn't healthy because I think I would have loved to see how he could have potentially impacted the game um, healthy. Uh, but I thought, honestly, with, uh, with Jalen Ramsey, who I believe to be the best corner in the NFL, with him on Devontae Adams, that would – you know, slow down Aaron Rodgers' progressions and getting to number two, number three receiver because they like to get Devontae the ball so much. I was surprised that Jalen didn't follow Devontae a little bit more. But, man, i tell you what, Aaron Rodgers, like, I mean, <laughs> the dude's amazing right now. He is on fire. He's finding – if a receiver's open, it seems like he's just finding him. And, uh, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, if if – if Drew Brees doesn't turn the ball over as much, um, those three times, obviously they scored all their points off of those three turnovers. Um, I think I saw a stat where Brees only threw one pass past 20 yards in the the air. That is not going to be the situation uh, come Sunday with Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. They are going to test those DBs down the field often. and I think Tampa. I I don't know if Tampa Bay has the defense to to slow the Packers down right now. I think they are just in a in a zone. Aaron Rodgers is in a zone. They wanted to be at home. They wanted to host the NFC Championship game. And I think you know those those Florida boys coming up to to Lambeau is really gonna mm-hmm. be be the difference maker. So I like the Packers and. And here's what I believe, that first game, again, turnovers play such a major role in a game. And uh, the first time Green Bay and and Tampa Bay played, I think turnovers were were probably at the forefront of what happened with Green Bay not playing as well as they could have. So they do a great job at taking the ball. I agree with you, and I I think Green Bay is going to take that one now. Being up there and seeing Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers' vision and feel for the game is different than, and again, I haven't been around a lot of different, you know, quarterbacks. I've been around my share. Uh, but he just, yeah. he, he almost sees things before they happen. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I'm give myself another second here because I know that route getting ready to come open. And then, boom, he throws it, and then you're like, dude, how did you see that? How did you know that was getting ready to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Is the mental aspect uh, definitely 
one of the different, and different in a good way, different quarterbacks um, because he's a student of the game, and he's got a great feel for it. And, and I think that as long as they do a good job of protecting the ball, that they're going to take care of business. Yeah, it'll be interesting so, to see. Um, you know, I, I love Ty Bowles, man. I, I think that he is – I think – I hope he gets another shot as a, as, a head, as a head coach in the NFL. I'm interested to see what he does to try to slow down this this offense um, for the Packers because what the Packers really do is, you know, going to the game thinking Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Jones is a monster running that ball. Um, and I think they keep you – they keep you off – you know, off guard to keep you off tempo by run by mixing that run game in there just enough. You thinking Aaron's going to throw the ball, the next thing you know, Aaron Jones is taking off 40, 50 yards down the field on an inside zone play. So it's going to yeah. be it'll be interesting. This is this is where this is where the coaches truly make their money. And champion AFC and NFC championship games, obviously those that make it to the Super Bowl. This is where you know, scheme and, and those different things come into play. So it'll be interesting to see what Todd Bowles comes up with and uh, what Matt LaFleur comes up with to, to, to keep that, that engine rolling. Yep, that's true. That is true. And Tom Brady, if the defensive line gets after Tom Brady, is Tom Brady going to be Tom Brady? Um, or does the Tampa Bay line have to do a great job to keep that defense line off of him for, for Tom to have a chance. Do you think pressure affects Tom Brady? I think Tom, from what I've – and I'm, I'm a Tom Brady fan. I'm a Michigan guy, um, so I, I'm, I'm a big Tom Brady fan. Um, I think he's the GOAT, obviously. But Tom, does, if you can get pressure on Tom Brady with four, three or four, with obviously with – with three, if you're getting pressure on three, that's crazy because they run that three-four right. defense. But if you can get pressure, most of the time they're going to be in a nickel coverage because you know because uh, Tampa Bay is playing three wides, one tight end most of the time, unless they're going double tights. But if you can get pressure with four on Tom Brady, that's been the that's been the, the blueprint. The Giants were the two teams that were able to beat them in the Super Bowl. They they were, they got pressure with four. Philadelphia. Even though he lit them up in the second half, that first half they were getting pressure with four, and they got pressure with four again on the play that turned on that play that ended the game when they sacked him and he fumbled. So, I think if you can get pressure with four and play zone behind it, it it's going to force them to um, do some different things. I don't see I don't see the Packers getting pressure. I think they're going to have to blitz and they have to do some different things creatively. And there's nothing that he hasn't seen from a defensive perspective. So I think he'll get dialed in, and I think I think it is going to be a shootout. Um, if if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receivers can um, adjust to that weather and that wind up there, um, I think it'll be a shootout. But I, like I said, um, you know, I, it's hard to go against Tom Brady. It, it really is, you know, just because. He's done it so many times, but I just think that. I'm sorry. No, I was just saying I think that this year, you know, it is all on the NFC side. I think that the Packers have been the best team in the NFC all year. And for them to have home field advantage, um, for them to have to be at Lambeau and 
host this game. It's been a long time coming, and I think Aaron Rodgers is uh, – I just think that he's he's kind of in fuego right now, you know, and uh, it'll be – it'll be um, – I'm thinking it'll be 35-28 is my score prediction for the game. I'm taking – Packers 35-28. I think it's going to be a shootout. I think we're going to get every, every bit of what we want to see with these two great quarterbacks playing each other. Um, but I think Packers will be too much in the end. Right. right. Hey, I, I agree with you with that. And playing up there um, is going to be different uh, because it is going to be cold. Yeah. You know, I think that's a buddy of mine played at South Florida, and, you know, South Florida started playing football in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. And we were coaching together at Citadel, so this is 2009. <laughs> he said South Florida has never won a game up to that point in November or December in the cold. <laughs> so, again, I know all those guys from Tampa aren't from Florida, but you kind of get right. acclimated a little bit. You do. Right now in yeah. Tampa, I would imagine it's probably 60, 65. You know, now I got to go play in 2015. It might be it yeah. might be closer to the digits. Um, so that's from a mental standpoint. I know they're professionals, but from a mental standpoint, that's, that's something they're going to have to get over. And, and I think if Green Bay comes out rocking, then that, that would definitely be a uh, uh, an advantage for them. But back to Tom Brady for a second. Now, I believe Tom Brady won two Super Bowls because of the other team. I still look at uh, if it's second and one from the one, and I got marching on into the backfield. I'm probably gonna get a ball of bar shot. Yeah. But if it's yeah. second and one from the one, they stop them. I'm probably gonna get a marching on again. <laughs> now again, I'm being an just for the back. Yes, I am. I'm being an armchair for the back. And if it's fourth and one from the one. I'm probably like, okay, should we throw it? Nah, I'm probably going to give it to Marshawn again. If you stop Marshawn for one yard three times in a row, you deserve to win. That's my thought. You deserve to win. The other one yeah. is third and one. I'm up by 16. Why are you throwing the ball? Yeah. We're talking about it last. And then not only that, now I'm up by eight. I'm in field goal range. It's three, three and a half minutes in the game left, I think. I'm in field goal range. Why am I throwing the ball? Because now if I kick a field goal, <laughs> yep. it's a two-possession game. I'm just an old college football. I know I'm not being an armchair quarterback. I know. But in those situations, I'm not gonna give Tom Brady a chance because I'm gonna I'm go on and just <laughs> I will make I will make the defense win the game for him. 
versus me yeah. going to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to be, quote, unquote, uh, atypical and do something a little different because uh, they're not going to expect it. No, I'm going to go in and play old school football and I'm going to run the ball. Because yeah. here's one thing I learned from Coach Gregory. I never forget Coach Gregory um, said this back when we were coaching together at, at Ohio. He said, ever to be successful, you got to be able to run the ball when you need to, and you got to be able to run the ball when you want to. Then mm-hmm. you got to be able to throw the ball when you need to and throw the ball when you want to. So if I can run it when I need and want to and throw it when I need and want to, you're going to be successful. Now, I guess on one hand you can say, well, hey, it's 31. I want to throw the ball, so I should be able to throw the ball. <laughs> but it's the Super Bowl. Atlanta hasn't won it. Has Atlanta won a championship beside the Braves? No, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't think the, I don't. I would have to, you know, dig into the archives on that one. But I don't believe the Hawks have, and I, I'm, I'm fairly sure the Falcons have not as well. I know they were there. A while back when they, you know, were the Dirty Birds and all that, and they went to the Super Bowl and they lost to uh, Baltimore, I think it was. Um, I forget who it was that they played in the Super Bowl that year, but I know they lost that Super Bowl. But, um, you know, the funny thing about it is is that now you look at the, you look at the Seattle Seahawks and and uh, Russell Wilson is obviously top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now, and they and they are heavily run oriented, run run run. You know, to the point where you look at the second half of the season, Russ's numbers drop drastically because they're running the ball so much. And really, it's his team. He should be throwing the ball all over the place. He's got some crazy weapons out there. So, you know, for Pete Carroll to want to run the ball now when Russ is coming to his own as a top-five quarterback versus running the ball when he had Marshawn Lynch, who was probably the, one of the most unstoppable running backs in short yardage situations. Like, you know, obviously you and I both are, are former running backs, so we want we feel like we're on the one-yard line. I'm going to put this thing in the end zone. Come, You know, it doesn't matter how many people they got up in the box. So we're expecting, you know, I think everyone in the world thought Marshawn's about to get this ball. And maybe that's what he's thinking. Everyone in everyone in the stadium, everyone watching this game thinks Marshawn's going to get this ball. The only person that didn't think that he was going to get the ball was the DB that <laughs> intercepted the pass when he threw it. So um, <laughs> I think that there lies the problem. Um, you know, he outsmarted himself, you know, and uh, – it cost them because they they definitely should be back to back Super Bowl champs. They, they I think they you know although Tom Brady played excellent in that game, defense just continuously let him down, which there becomes the question. There's always that question on is it Tom Brady or is it Bill Belichick? But you know um, at the end of the day, man's got six rings. He won those games. The Falcons made bad decisions, and he still had to make the plays in order to bring those guys back, which he did. Uh, and um, you know, which is why you can sit here and say, "Hey, it's the Packers. They're home. Aaron Rodgers looks amazing. This, that, and the other." But 
you know, TB12. <laughs> you can't give him. You can't give if if it comes if it's if it's a if it's a last second game where it's close and they got the ball. You know, I think we've seen that story so many times. We kind of have an idea how what that's gonna ha- what's gonna happen. So I'm looking forward to it. Sunday can't get here soon enough. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. And uh, so, so you're thinking, you're thinking, hey, the the Chiefs and the Packers is what you're thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it's the Chiefs and the Packers, who do you think is going to win it all? Man. Chiefs and the Packers down in Tampa. <laughs> the last thing that you know, boy, I tell you what, it's you know you got you got Aaron Rodgers and then you have Aaron Rodgers 2.0 in Patrick Mahomes. Um, yep. You know, the Packers have Devontae Adams and a couple other guys on offense. You know, Mahomes has. Tyreek Hill and arguably maybe one of the best tight ends ever and Travis Kelsey. Um, the defense for the Tampa Bay Bucks, it doesn't have the big names that you would expect a Super Bowl team like this to have, but that defense plays together. And they play with the belief of, you know, I got my guys back. You know, you see so many plays where it looks like somebody's about to get beat and then another guy, one of the other defenders comes, comes in and has his back. So, I can't. I, I will not pick anybody to beat Patrick Mahomes. After what I've seen him do, being down 14, being down 17 points, there's no lead that's safe. Um, and you know, if he gets if he gets going, they get going fast. It's it's gonna be tough to. Uh, it's gonna be tough. Now, but I don't know, man. I, I don't know. This, this playoffs, they haven't necessarily been as explosive offensively this year. Um, so, so hey, so so we'll we'll see, we shall see. Yeah, I, think, hey, I, think, I think that's a te- I think that's a testament to the, to what they've been coming as a team. But we'll see. You're right. You're absolutely. We'll see. We shall see. I, I had Coach Dixon on. Hold on one second. Um, I had Coach Dixon calling, so we didn't really get Coach Dixon on, so we can we can talk a little bit about Texas high school football, um, which he uh, he was named Coach of the Year this year. So definitely want to get a chance to speak to him a little bit. So I hope he'll be able to call back in. All right, hold on one second. Coach Dixon. Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing, man? Man, I'm doing good. Yep. That's best. That's the basketball you. game. Trying to say, trying to trying to block out this noise in the background, but I can hear you. We're live on the air, man. So we're definitely glad that you're able to call in. Yes, sir. And, uh, first of all, congratulations on a great year. Uh, no doubt. I appreciate it, man. 
Yeah, it was definitely a, a different year. It was no doubt a different <laughs> year. Um, but what kind of challenges did you all have out there in Texas that uh, that you was able to overcome? Uh, well, just I mean, I, I know we were, um, you know, we were we we're not able to start on time, as far as you know, um, you know, doing our all season football and then doing summer workouts. We just you know, kept getting pushed back due to due to the rising COVID numbers, but um, you know, eventually we were able to get back and and get into some semblance of kind of you know some semblance of shape and kind of get that chemistry down before you know before the season started. The, um, now, when did you all actually get started? Um, how much later than normal? Uh, I would say about a uh, about a month, about a month and a half, a little bit later than normal, about a month and a half. All right. Well, good. And you all had some success despite those challenges. What were a couple of the keys to your success? Well, uh, you know, first and foremost, it was, you know, experience. Um, You know, experience on both sides of the ball. Um, You know, we we went into last year installing, um, you know, a more pass-happy offense because we had the receivers and we had, you know, um, you know, the quarterback and the running backs to be able to, you know, run a multiple offense. And so we wanted to utilize all our athletes. And then, you know, uh, we installed a, an our front, kind of, you know, installed the strength of our team, which is our linebackers. And so, you know, going into this year, I think that played a big part uh, in it. It's just those kids being experienced and, and playing, you know, going into this year, you know, the kids kind of knew the offense and defense like the back of their hand. And you could tell, you know, from, you know, from our first game, our first practice, you know the kids. The kids already knew what to do. Um, you know when we when we actually got together and was able to practice together. Right, right. Well, good, 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 good. Now um, you all ended up um, Lamar, which of course is yes. one of the great programs there. You all was able to exactly. break was seventy two game district winning streak. Is that yes, right? sir. No, I, Yes, 72 games, I think dating all the way back to, you know, 2008. You know, they hadn't lost a district game. Nobody's beat them since, I believe, 2008. Wow. Wow. That's that's that that type of uh, streak like Miami had back in the day. (laughs) Ain't no doubt about that, man. You know, shoot. You know, Lamar has been the staple of uh, of our district for, you know, man, probably since the, you know, the 80s and the 90s and leading on into the 2000s. And, um, you know, they've kind of been the premier program in HISD, um, you know, besides Yates back in the day. But, you know, man, we were able to, you know, uh, you know, overcome some obstacles. And, and I knew going into the year that we had a great, great, great chance of possibly, you know, dethroning them and winning district. Uh, of course, you know, it came down to the last play of the game, but you know when you when you play in a, a program like that, it's you know you're gonna have to actually beat them. You, you know, you're not gonna just go in there and they're not just gonna lay down on you. Um, we have to actually go in and and finish them off and beat them. But you know going to that game, our kids had uh, an extremely high confidence, uh, you know, factor going going into that game as well. Right, right. Well, good, good. So you all did win the district. Yes, sir. Then uh, how far in the playoffs did you all go? Uh, we we beat Cypress Creek. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was forty to twenty-one or thirty-nine twenty-one in the first round, and then we lost okay. 
you know, a close one to uh, Katie Taylor in the second round. We, uh, you know, we lost it right at the tail end. Uh, but I, I just felt, I felt our kids, man, they, you know, they gave out, gave it their all. And you know, I really felt if we could have won that game, we probably could have advanced, you know, at least four rounds deep. Um, you know, of course, playing Katie in the fourth round would have been a, a monumental feat. But, you know, for our, for our program to get there um, in the fourth round, I thought I think that would have that would have been huge for us, uh, not just you know as a school, but as a district. Right, right, right. And that's the first time um, they've made it past the first round. No, no, we've uh, we've made it past the first round before, but this is our first time making it making it past the first round uh, since we've been six eight. Okay, since you've been six eight. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, since we've been six eight. Hey hey coach, tell me about how you were guys were able to you know, we we got young high school high school kids and, and things like that. How how are you guys able to keep them from congregating and hanging out and in large crowds with their friends or girlfriends and doing all that stuff to make sure that you guys could, you know, keep the team safe and, and healthy from any of the uh COVID that's going yeah. on out here. I know that's always an issue. Well, well, I think the I think the main thing is you know, telling my season can be in jeopardy. Um, yeah. You know, excuse the excuse the music in the background. I'm at a basketball game, but uh, I think you know, telling those kids you know that their season could be in jeopardy. I think that would have paid that would have paid a big 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 dividend. You know, and them uh, you know not being around and congregating in huge groups. And then, you know, they've seen some of their friends uh, have to have, you know, their season stalled uh, because they were, you know, they, they've done some things and they had to, you know, quarantine and get their schools shut down for, you know, 14 days. So I think that put a scare into the kids as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, did you, you have know, any, if you want. Have any COVID at all? Uh, repeat that. Do you all have any issues with COVID? Anybody on the team? Uh, just, we just had uh, just just one issue, uh, and that was before the season started, which is actually pretty good. But you know, yeah, just one issue, and you know, no players or anything like that. But you know, just one yeah. just one issue, and and after that, they had no issues during the rest of the year. Good, that's outstanding. That is outstanding. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, the, our now, district done a good job. Uh, they gave us everything we needed to. You know, keep the spread of COVID down. They gave us some shields uh, for, for the helmet that I think helped as well. Uh, it, was, it wasn't just a regular shield; it was actually a shield that covered up your entire face mask. Um, oh wow! You just put it in. You know, it wasn't that regular shield where it just covers up your vision. It was a you know a clear shield All that right. covered up the entire face. So I, I think that helped as well. That's really good. Now you had a lot of kids that uh, were highly decorated. Can you talk about some of the accolades that they received? Oh man, you know, first first and foremost, you know, Kendrick Rhymes, um, severely underrated. Um, you know, I think he he's a kid that's that's definitely a P five kid. Um, you know, I think he could go in and and actually play for any program. You know, probably start for a lot of them. Uh, was actually committed to Utah State, uh, and of course, you know, with this, this this COVID going on and NCAA allowing you know seniors to come back and allowing kids to enter the portal, you know, a lot of these colleges are looking in the portal. But 
you know, Kendrick Rhymes won uh, offensive player. Uh, Kendrick Rhymes won uh, MVP of the whole district. Jalen Morrison, the quarterback, won offensive MVP. Um, and we had a wide receiver that won special teams MVP of the district, you know, among others. Wow. And that's been a, that's been the first time in a in a long time that that's happened. Yep. So you got the overall MVP, the yes, MVP, the special teams MVP. <laughs> yeah. And what we, about and we had what a kid about, that came in? We had a kid that came in uh, second in the defensive MVP vote. Wow. 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 Yeah. And that's and that's and that's uh-huh. how and, and there's the formula for knocking off a team that's won seventy five uh games. Oh, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> when, when you got when you got the talent, man, and those kids are hungry, you know, man, things oh, yeah. like that happen. You know, because uh, there's a, you know, especially us, you know, advancing to the playoffs. You know, there's a lot of talk out there that you know HISD schools can't beat, you know, these suburban schools. Um, and I just don't. I don't agree with that notion. Uh, there's a lot of talk thinking that, you know, HISD coaches are inferior and they don't learn. And I know that's not true for myself or my staff. I can't speak for everybody else, but uh, I know that, you know, uh, if a lot of people think that, that's just not true. Exactly. Exactly. Now, let's talk a little bit about something that you just touched on. Um, the rules of NCAA of how they've allowed – everybody to have a another year. Um, right. And it doesn't count. It doesn't count against them. I mean, that's just another year they get. So if they can afford to bring the seniors back, they can bring them back. How is that affecting yep. recruiting? <laughs> well, it's, it's just a lot of kids get overlooked. You got a, you got a lot of kids that could, you know, that could get offers to P5 schools or, you know, maybe some lower tier D1 schools, um, you know, or even some D one AA schools. You got kids like that that may end up having to go, uh, you know, D one AA or D two, um, you know, or even JUCO, right. because you know coaches are looking for kids that they they feel are ready to contribute now. So um, you just end up with a lot of kids who are, you know, could be could be better than a lot of kids in the portal. But you know, the coaches are going to go with the, what they feel is a guarantee. So they're going to. They're going to go look in the portal. So it's hurting a lot of kids recruiting, you know, this year. And I think one of the things that, that could easily happen um, is this 2021 class is going to be a lost class for a lot of those programs. Um, because, again, if you stack up on the upper classes, all of a sudden you only have a couple of freshmen that could hurt you down the road. Uh, yeah. But I don't know if most coaches, a lot of people are thinking that way because it's more of, hey, I got these guys here. I I know if I can keep them. I know what I have versus going after something that I, I'm not sure about. So Right, right, right. That, and, you know, I, I think what, what's happening to a lot of kids and even happened to two of my kids that were committed to D1 schools, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they were going to sign early and then all of a sudden, you know, a week and a half before early signing day, you know, both of those kids get a call and say, you know, we're gonna we're gonna end up racing you. You know, um, and so now, you know, when you end up getting gray-shirted, now you know those those FCS schools are like, man, we we can get a D1 kid. So now, you know, a lot of those schools are popping in on kids, feeling they can get a 
you know, a big time D one kid and feel like they can add them to their program. So you got a you got a lot of P five and G five type kids that that's probably gonna end up, you know, at least playing D one double A ball their freshman year. And you hate it that it's going that way because what's gonna end up happening is if this if this portal is the way it is, you know, a lot of those kids are gonna use these P these FCS schools, they're gonna kinda of use them as JUCOs. And they're going to yeah. end up playing for one year, and then they're going to transfer out. And I know they put it on the table for now. Uh, one of the rules that they was talking about passing was the one free transfer rule. Um, right. What are your thoughts? If that gets passed, what are your thoughts on that rule? Well, I, I just, I mean, in my personal opinion, I, I'm, you know, I'm a high school coach, so I'm. <laughs> I'm going to look out for the high school kids. So I, I just think that, you know, it should be the same as high school kids. It, you know, a lot of high school kids, if they transfer from another high school um, uh, to another high school and they don't have a legitimate reason that they're transferring, well, they got to sit out a year um, before they're ready to play. And I, I, in my book, I just think that should hold true for, uh, you know, a lot of kids as well, unless, you know, unless you're graduating or something like that. I can understand that. But, you know, um, you know, it just it just hurts a lot of a lot of high school kids, you know, chances right now. And that's just me speaking as a high school coach. I'm sure, I'm sure if I was in you know a college coach, I'd be saying the opposite. You know, man, let those kids come out and play and let them play right away. But as a high school coach, uh, I just think that 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 hurts a lot of high school kids, um, you know, scholarship opportunities. Well, as mm-hmm. a college coach, uh, as an old college coach. I'm not necessarily in favor of it either, um, because yeah. what I understand the thought process is: if a coach can leave, why can't the kid leave? Well, to me, that's totally two totally different things. Um, first of all, the coach—that's his job. Kid—that's his education. Um, right. And he makes a commitment to be there. Sometimes a coach might get fired. But if you, again, my opinion, if you open that up where I can transfer one time anytime I want to, well, what are we telling these kids? Um, that let, Let's look at, uh, at, at the quarterback at, at Alabama. He waited his turn. Now you're saying he can transfer for free? And now he might not have the same opportunities that he has now. So once it yeah. gets a little hard, I can't get my way. You're saying I could just go in the league, which I don't think that's yeah. what we want to teach. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, they're going to be get my way. Yeah. But, well, I just uh, think it teaches I, kids. It just teaches kids. You know, for the most part, in my book, I just think that you know, kids are. You know, it's already a problem with a lot of kids, high school kids, not being able to know how to fight through adversity, and. I just think that that's what's teaching a lot of kids that, you know, now is, and the the thing is, it's mostly freshmen that's in the portal. You know, kids are going and and they're playing their freshman year and then they're bailing out because they're used, you know, they're used to being the man in high school and they won't, and they want everything right now. Well, you got to wait your turn. Uh, But a lot of kids are not doing that. They, they used to being the man. So, hey, look, I'm not the man my first year. I got a senior in front of me. I, I, I've always been the man, so I'm not going to deal with this. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enter the portal. And I just, you yeah. know, I think those kids, you know, I think those kids have to sit out a year. 
Yep. I'm gonna play yep. a little bit of devil's advocate on this on this on this topic here because I understand what you guys are saying and I totally agree that, you know, you don't want kids to, you know, to think that this is how the world works, right? You don't like this job, I can go out and get another job the same day or tomorrow or whatever, or this is because I was the man in high school and this that, and the other. But a lot of these kids, you know, they're making some tough decisions where they've got 40, 50, 60 offers, you know, for some, some big-time kids that are going to these big schools, and they're making these decisions, you know, it's a lot. Um, you know, when you're going back and forth, and then you find yourself, you know, college sports, I mean, it's, you know, they college coaches – and, and some of these major programs, they operate as a business, and they make business decisions to ensure that they're going to continue to 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 do the things they need to do. And I think that, you know, the transport portal puts a little bit of control or puts a little bit of pressure. I mean, gives, gives the player a little more control that they haven't had in years past. I, I, I don't think it's a – a situation that should be taken advantage of, but I also think that, you know, some of these kids, they're making tough decisions. They're going away from home. They've never been away from home. Um, I think that they kids should go away from home, honestly. I think they should go out and experience life without mom and dad being there or family being there to to be able to take care of everything, every little thing that they need them to take care of because that's not how the real life, real world works. But at the same time, I think it's important that, you know, that our kids and that these athletes also have a an opportunity to truly play if it, if they're really you know if they want to put the work in. Um, I'm a big Michigan fan, and I saw that you know just yesterday Zach Charbonnet entered into the transport program, which was a top running back coming out I think two years ago, three years ago out of California came to Michigan, and it's transferring. You know that Michigan, you know teams like that they're going to continue to bring in talent. You know, um, and uh, it's un- it's unfortunate I'm not, I'm, that these. No, I'm saying this, Keith. I don't mean, but I'm not saying I think transferring is bad, but you can't just transfer because you can't have your weight. Okay, so there's got to be <laughs> results if you transfer. Okay, got, you can transfer. Got to be a common ground in there somewhere. Yeah, you got to. I can't just transfer just because I don't like this guy and then I expect to go play right now. Because, see, here's the other yeah, thing that yeah. will happen if, if we can just transfer at will. You're going to have yeah, somebody, yeah. the rich will get richer and the poor will get poorer. Because if mm-hmm. you have a great year, everybody's going to want to transfer to Alabama or Clemson or, or yeah. one of the, the top premier schools. So now all of a sudden you have a guy that's a really good player. And now he's leaving to go to transfer, and he can play right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's got to be a consequence. It's got to be a consequence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. In the years past, you always had the rule that you know if you transfer from one Division One school to another Division One school, you lost a year. You know, um, and right. and I think that that is sufficient. I think that they. You know, and then they and then they incorporated the grad transfers, right? So if you graduated, you could transfer to another school and be able to play right away. Um, I'll be honest with you, I'm not a Buckeye fan at all. But Justin Fields, him being able to transfer from Georgia to Ohio State and play right away, and for for the reasons that they used for him to be able to play, I, I 
man, I was, no, no, I was on the fence. Like, little, this, this doesn't seem right to me. Now, that was a little different because there was some, you know, they made some, some racial slurs at him and all that. That was a little different. But his sister stayed at Georgia and stayed on the softball team at Georgia. I mean, if it were – if that was the case, let's let's move everybody up out of there, you know, because I, I know for me, if it were my son and daughter, that would be a different situation. But, you know, I know we're getting yep. off base here, but uh, – Exactly, and it's and it's one thing to say, "Hey, daughter, you got to move because they they treated your, you know, they talked bad to your brother." She might be like, "That ain't <laughs> happened to me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but um. So it's uh, so it's it, it, it's something, but uh, that's one that I think it would change the scope of college football. Um, yeah. If they they put that rule into play, that's just my thought. My so, thought. coach, how many how many guys you got coming back next year from uh from the team? Any any of your the MVP? Any of the guys that were uh, those uh, top tier guys well, we got, coming back, or you got? Yeah, we got we got uh, five on offense and six on defense. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we got some got some really good guys coming back. I mean, we lost you know some some really you know really good seniors, but. Uh, we got a we got a really 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 good young group that's coming up. Good, good. Yeah, that, yeah. That's where it's at, man. That's where it's at, man. Young guys, man. So, so outstanding, outstanding. Now, how's the rest of the league gonna look next year? Uh, uh you know, I think it's about the same. I mean, Lamar is gonna be, you know, Lamar. Lamar. Um, you know, they're yep. gonna be, you know, the same. Uh, so mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm itching the to see, man, if we can if we can go ahead and, and repeat, you know, what we did this year in district. Exactly. Exactly. Well good. Good, 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 man. Well hey. Well we definitely appreciate you joining us. Um uh appreciate you taking the time, you know, from from basketball mill, you athletic director and everything. You got a bunch going on. Um yes, sir. appreciate that. Now, let me ask you this one last question. For what advice um, would you give to an athlete that's saying, hey, I want to go play at the next level? Your perspective, what advice would you give them? Uh, well, I'd just say, you know, man, be patient. Uh, you know, we're, we're, in a, we're in a society where the kids want everything now, and, and I think patience mm-hmm. is a virtue. I think that's the thing that's most important. And, uh, you know, now with everything going on, man, you almost have to play the game. You know, I, I'm not a, I'm not a big time proponent of, you know, <laughs> a seven on select seven on seven and trainers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, that seems to be where kids are getting exposure and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, right now you kind of, you got to kind of play the game and try to get some exposure from these writers, you know, early. You know, uh, so. That's kind of what's going on in the recruiting game right now, uh, and I'll be honest with you, I, I think for the for, for a lot of people, you know, <clears throat> recruiting has become lazy. <laughs> so, you know, they're not they're not you know they're not really looking. They're kind of banking on, uh, you know, these these trainers and these guys to kind of hit them up and tell them about kids, uh, because I, yeah. I see it every day. You know, I see it every day, and I see some of these kids getting offers, and I see these kids film, and I watch them play. And I'm like, man, I, these kids, this kid got an offer, but 
man, I know 15 kids better than this kid and got mm. better film. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, this kid is getting something because he's involved in this select team and he's traveling and, you know, and guys are pushing his name out there, making him seem like he's the next best thing since sliced bread. And, you know, guys are guys are getting offers based, basically from touch football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, that's the only thing, you know, you know but I – but you know, for the most part, kids just got to be patient, and and you know, uh, you know, when you're at a school like mine, you know, I'm not saying coaches don't flock to my school, but you got to, as a head coach, you got to, you know, a lot of these guys, a lot of coaches don't think this is a job, you know, and, and it may not be, but you got to get off your tail and go go grind for those kids, you know, when you got a program like North Shore, you know, those coaches don't have to do that, <laughs> those coaches gonna show up at, at North Shore, you know, every day. Yeah. But when you're in my place, you got to kind of get off your tail. You got to grind for the kids, and you know, may not be D1, might not be D1 to play, but you know, hit those kids get somewhere. I just had a feeling that every kid who is pretty good now can can find a place somewhere to play. Yes, definitely. Uh, and yeah. I, I totally agree. If you want to play college football, there is a place. It might not yeah. be where you want it. To but there's a place where you can play college football. And the beautiful no thing is, regardless of where you play, if you are good enough, the NFL will find you. No doubt. No doubt. I agree. If you want to play, go find a place to play. That's it. There's a place yes, for you. Go play. Just go play. And it's uh, yeah. – you hit the nail on the head with that one. But, hey, well, we appreciate it. Um, good luck. You all be able to get some. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Yes, sir. And we look forward to you having another great year. Thank you. Thank you. All right, man. You guys be blessed. All right. Thank you, too. too. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, um, now. Hey, it was it was great having Coach Dixon on. It was great having him on, and, and I think he has a. Uh, he's done a great job with that program there. You know, I've I've recruited his school for years. Uh, he's done a great oh, yeah? job with that program. He's got it. He's got it going in, in the right direction, and uh, I, I'm glad to see him have success because um, he does a great job and he cares about those kids, and, and that's that's huge. That is huge. Yeah, um, but, I can't imagine being the coach and the AD, man. That's 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 got to be that's a lot. Yeah, it is. Now, see, here's one thing that happens in Texas that's an advantage over a lot of places. In Texas, you have an athletic period. So there's a period in the day where you work on your sport. So yeah, that's different. Depends on where you're. It might be an hour block. You know, I see where coaches got it doing that. You know how lunch is usually a little bit long because you got more than one lunch, so they're able to get that lunch block. Some coaches want it first thing. Some coaches want the last class of the day so they can go from class straight to practice. Um, Yeah. So it's but across the state. It's not just like some districts have it. 
is across the state. Everybody has, with the exception of the private schools. But every public school has an athletic period where whether it's weight training, whether it's, hey, we're going to go outside and we're going to go watch film and then go to practice or whatever it is. But uh, sometimes they practice during during that athletic period. Uh, but it is definitely yeah. an advantage. Yeah, that's different for sure. For sure. Yeah. Imagine if you had an athletic period. Yeah, that would definitely change things for for sure. Especially, you know, it's it's Texas, so you know it's 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 fairly good weather all the time, all the time for the most part. Now I know it's been getting cold. They've been getting some sporadic snow and everything, but for the most part, you know, because I think in Texas they also have spring ball, right? Yep, they do. They do. They do have spring practice, and that's you know in spring. So you know when we was recruiting either in the spring, you wanted to try to get to the to the um, school during the athletic period, so you can see the kid move and work out. Yeah. Sometimes even practice. I mean, you can get to an extra practice um, by going to athletic period. So if I get into an athletic period and they're outside running around, I get to see the kid move. Then I can do that two or three times during the day, and then I can catch two or three practices afterwards. So all of a sudden, I watch five kids practice in one day. That's a great yeah, thing. that's crazy. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's different. Hey, man, that just, definitely sets you apart. Yep, no doubt. No doubt. I appreciate you joining me here tonight, man. It's been fun. We definitely want to get you back out again and to uh to uh to join me as a co host. And uh I'm gonna I'm gonna leave. I, I got a little quote here just about Charlie Chapman. It says Charlie Chapman lived eighty eight years. He left us with four statements. One, nothing is forever in this world, not even our problems. Two, I love walking in the rain because no one can see my tears. Three, the most lost day in life is the day we don't laugh. And then four, the six best doctors in the world, the sun, rest, exercise, diet, self-respect, and friends. Stick them at all ages of your life and enjoy a healthy life. If you see the moon, you will see the beauty of God. If you see the sun, you will see the power of God. If you see the mirror, you will see God's best creation, so believe it. We are all tourists. God is our travel agent who's already identified our routes, bookings, and destinations. Trust him and enjoy life. Life is just a journey. Therefore, live today. Tomorrow may never be. Again, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, hopefully we can get you down uh, for the West Foundation football camp, football and children camp this summer as well. Yeah, I look forward to it. That'd be great. Thanks for having me on, Coach. It's been a pleasure. It's been been a lot of fun. This is definitely uh, a good time, and uh, I look forward to maybe being on with you another time. It's good. I'm gonna count on that. I'm gonna count on it. Great job. And uh, <laughs> hey, the Wisconsin Sports Talk Show. Uh, we're definitely looking. For, we're gonna have another great show, another great lineup next week. So please tune in again. We're here every Tuesday from six until nine. Our sponsor this week is Nano Air Solutions. That is N A N O A I R Solutions dot com. 
um, and they have face masks, face mask filters, and then they also provide uh, uh, air filters for your home. So definitely check them out. Uh, they're great enough to sponsor us tonight. You all have a great night, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Good day. Yeah. You know what? I like to play. No dickity, no doubt. Uh. Play on, play at. Play on, play at. Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, face of Black Street. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, a dog couldn't catch me. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shaker. Shutting it down, good love. Baby got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around Cover much ground, got game by the town Getting paid is a forte Each and every day, true play away I can't get her out of my mind Wow. I think about the girl all the time wow, wow. East side to the west side Push the fat rise, it's no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash Fast when it comes to the gas By no means average Baby, you're a perfect 10 I wanna get in Can I get down? So I said I like the way you work it No diggity I thought to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I thought to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I thought to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I thought to bag it up Class and style, shoot knowledge by the time. Baby, never act wild. Very low key on the profile. Catching feelings is a no. Let me tell you how it goes. Curves the word, spins the verb. Lovers hit curves so freak what you heard. Rolling with the fatness, you don't even know what the half is. Got to pay to play Just for shorty bang bang to look your way I like the way you work it Trump tight all day, every day You're blowing my mind, maybe in time Baby, I can get you in my ride I like the way you work it No diggity I thought to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I thought to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I like the way you work it.